everybody, and welcome to Point of Origin, episode 8, the podcast where we realize that the show writers clearly got all the names out of a baby book that they bought used at a garage sale. Baby book that has, like, two pages right. really folded right. over like, and dog-eared to shit. Yeah. Like, circled about a million times, <laughs> and, like, all the rejects, like, various colors of Sharpie, just like, nope, fuck this, fuck this. We should probably introduce ourselves first. No. No? Hope that I people... mean, this is episode eight. You know, you you think that, and granted, I listen from the beginning, but not everyone does. Honestly, after what we've discovered with the microphone issue, if people started on this episode, I really would not be upset. No, they have to listen to Emancipation. Emancipation is so good. Not Emancipation, dear Lord, not Emancipation. I was like, what the hell? Okay, I don't know why <laughs> My because face and body froze. I don't know why because they're like the exact opposite in quality. But my mind always mixes up emancipation and first commandment the titles i can see that in the sense that first commandment obviously is official biblical yeah sacred sounding and emancipation it sounds like a fancy because it makes you think of like emancipation proclamation that kind of stuff it makes you feel like it's a big Mm -hmm. thing i say it all the time and i always like wait no wrong episode but like literally my entire being went like yeah i know did she just well, have I mean, an aneurysm? Emancipation was good because of how much we didn't want to talk about it. <laughs> the best thing about Emancipation was the deleted scenes. <laughs> nah, if they want to start on this one, I'd be like, yeah, okay, I put seven weeks worth of effort into those other episodes, but also... <laughs> My name is Liz. And I'm Mel. That, and yeah, that hasn't changed now for eight episodes. That's my chit-chat. <laughs> Complaining about the mic. Why are you doing the pun husky face right now? What? Never seen the bad dad joke, husky yeah, you, face. You, you were there when you guys played that meme game, and I yes. sat out because I don't get memes, right? Uh, I don't speak meme. What, what the hell's a? You know, I'm not no, gonna. No, I want Clint. What? What the hell's a pun husky? It's it's this. It's a meme. A picture of a husky like making like a bad dad joke, pun joke, or whatever. And after it tells a joke, it does like the face. Okay, whatever. I've seen that one husky thing where he's, like, draped over the couch. No, not that one. That's dad husky. Ah, because there's a difference. Yeah. One thing I will say about the fact that there's, like, eight different characters named Sarah in this, I have two branches of that. One, there are about a million other biblical old school type names. Like, I can see why the show writers would, like, kind of gravitate towards those kind of names, because they want to add some Mm -hmm. underlying subconscious gravitas or whatever, some seriousness. But there's, like, Hannah, for example. Hannah's a good name. Rebecca. Like, there's a ton of yeah, it's Biblical just names. really Biblical weird that, that they have, like, two names that they keep going to the well for. Especially because one of them, they changed from the movie. I remember us talking about that when we were yeah. recording our first episodes. Talking about how they probably Charlie. changed uh, Kowalski's name to Charlie. Or, sorry, the kid's name. Whatever, they changed one of them to Charlie. You know, I feel like it was a subconscious it thing. It had to be because they never explicitly call it out. Yeah. They never point out the fact that Charlie shares a name what with What was the Jack's? kid's original name? Sorry, Tyler? Apparently, his son's name in the movie is Tyler. Is it ever actually said? Oh, shit. I remember, I think I remember that picture. It's that panning thing when they're panning through the kid's room. Yeah, know, it's for, on for the, like for a, the emo it, suicidal scene. It's on like a, on a, on like like a certificate a, of some kind. Yeah, like a Like reward. a baseball yeah, certificate mm-hmm. kind of thing. Your kid's your average kid. Yeah, okay. I used to know Tyler off the top of my head, but it's been a while, so I had to look that up. Tyler. Yeah, Charlie's better. I mean, Tyler, it's not that Tyler's a bad name. It's just, I guess it's just, honestly, it's probably just the fact that I watched the show when it was on the air. Mm-hmm. And so for a consistent 10 years, I heard Charlie. I will say, Charlie sounds like a name that Jack would name his kid. Tyler sounds like a name Sarah would name the kid. Kid died, and then they changed his name to <laughs> make the mom so feel better. That's so funny! So, uh, <laughs> Tyler to Charlie. 
if uh, if anyone can't tell by our topic of conversation here, what episode we're doing today, it is episode seven, Cold Lazarus. All right, so uh, the writer for this episode is Jeff King, and the director is Kenneth Gerardi. Gerardi? Gerardi? Yes. Yes, one of those. <laughs> but yeah. If I don't throw my hat in the ring, I can't get blamed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, quality of the episode aside, who cares? That name is awesome. It's a good name. I just like anything with involving Lazarus. Yeah, Lazarus is fun. I mean, come on. Like, I, I swear to God, I had a completely over unjustified, weird, rea- like weirdly enthusiastic reaction when I was playing uh, the Batman Arkham games. Like, I know Lazarus isn't from the game specifically, but I remember like they put it in the game, and I was really excited. I was like, Lazarus. <laughs> I was like, wait, you know, you, you know, the Lazarus bits aren't from the game. <laughs> yes, I'm very aware. <laughs> I just thought it was really cool that they were in the game. Cool name. Cool title. Yeah, and it, uh, honestly, it applies pretty well to the episode. Cool bit of trivia. Code Lazarus is uh, also the title of the final play in a four-part series by some guy named Dennis Potter. I think it sounds familiar, but... Oh, yeah, it sounds actually, familiar. Actually, not just because Potter. Like, I always think of, like, Beatrix Potter, maybe. Mm-hmm. Who knows? He may or may not be familiar. <laughs> he uh, wrote this four-part series with plays about scientists in the 24th century. Uh, they're extracting memories from a cryogenically preserved head from the 20th century. So it's kind of a cool, like, yeah, parallel. It's wildly appropriate. Yeah, the, the, quote, the painful nature of these memories chime with those that Jack O'Neill's doppelganger experiences and probably accounts for the choice of episode title. I just probably. like it when they think shit through. Like, First Commandment, for example, it's a, it obviously makes sense mm-hmm. why it's called mm-hmm. that. Usually episode titles make sense why they're called that. This one's like, it doesn't just make sense, it has... Yeah. Like, we already liked the title, but then you found that, and it's like, oh, dude. Right? This episode is funny. Like, the last couple of episodes had, like, basic trivia. Yeah. This one has, like, a wealth of it. It's, I'm so excited. The, the official synopsis, according to my uh, collector's edition DVD set uh, for Cold Lazarus, is a strange crystal strikes down O'Neill, replacing him with a double that returns with the team to Earth to find the cause of O'Neill's private grief, his son's death. But the double is dangerously unstable. Can O'Neill return home to save everyone and prevent chaos? Wow, this is like a lot of like shitty, incomplete sentences. Yes, I, I thought the first couple worked that bad. Yeah, I feel is it, like did it start on disc two? Yeah, on disc two it got bad. <laughs> you changed discs. Apparently, you changed who I, I wrote guess. the synopses. I got a couple of comments here. Right. Strikes down is a weird choice of words because it makes him sound like a god. Yes, yeah, odd. A strange crystal strikes down on O'Neill. He really should get struck down. Yeah, he yeah. does. He gets shocked. And well, then he gets... Okay, when I think of strike over. down, I think of, like, Thor's hammer kind of shit. You know, I think of, like, dead. Not like... No, no. Thor's hammer is, is tomorrow. Not tomorrow. Next week. For me, it's the case of, uh, it just strikes down makes it sound like... Yeah, it's a biblical kind of epic word. Epic versus, you know, a glorified taser. Yeah. <laughs> he gets glorifiedly tased. Enough to knock him out, so... Tasers knock people out. Oh, the strike down is I don't know. It's, it's, I'm I'm the one who pointed out in the first place. Yeah. Strikes down is weird. To be fair, I can't really complain with synopsis uh, with a synopsis that has like dramatic language because the whole point is to draw you in. So you're gonna want to use grandiose yeah. as long as you don't say but nerves of steel. The, I'm happy. They did the grandiose, and then they had two really awful. It sounded like it was written by a cluttered. <laughs> Incomplete sentences. I really hate... Charlie wrote it before he died. There, oh, God. That's so rude. Apparently I'm making lots of dead kid jokes, um, right? This is the episode to do it for. Right? Actually, I also, forgot because I love this episode. private grief. Daniel knows about it. Well, private grief can still mean... Not so much that no one knows about it, so much as it, he keeps it to himself. He doesn't talk about his kid. He doesn't talk about losing him. He doesn't talk about anything. Besides, Daniel knowing doesn't really count in that he had just lost his kid when all that shit went down. Yeah, but... Didn't they, like, vaguely talk about it again in the first episode? Like, no, not, not, not like, really. in explicit no. terms, no. but no. basically about how, like, 
Jack's doing better. Something like that. Like, they at least like they, called they, out. They, they touch on him being calmer now because yeah. he found an outlet, like, with astronomy and stuff. But that's about it. They don't talk about, like, any of the cause and effect or anything. No. Like, remember, there's a scene in this where Sam's like, I'm sorry, what now? <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing. But that's what I'm saying. That, like, yeah, it's a private grief for, like, I'd say most of SGC doesn't even know about it, probably. Mm-hmm. But I think it's what's interesting when we watch this is that you see Daniel's, like, the guide to this one. Because, obviously... It's a crystal that can't communicate well, right, right. so it can't explain anything, but right. Daniel knows enough that he can be the tour guide, oh, more yeah. or less. Plus, it's narratively appropriate that Daniel's the guide because he's going through loss right now. Like, yeah, he wants to find exactly. his wife, No, it's, it's a really good parallel. Exactly. Par- Thank you. God. I kept thinking, like, crossroad. No, there's roads involved. What are roads? They're straight. What is also straight? <laughs> Don't know. <laughs> but straight? Yeah. That exists? I've never heard of it. Not in my book. <laughs> I think it's, young. Yeah, it's very narratively appropriate. Yeah. No, I, I, that's why I like, that's why I just, I was struck by private because of the fact that it's like, well, if it was private, nobody would have any clue what's going on, which would make it really hard to narratively follow the story. But because we do have someone who does know what's going on. And this is another thing where I appreciate the fact that, like, this show is acknowledging that the movie exists. They take big plot points from the movie and make them pay off in the show. They could have very easily just been like, okay, that happened. And other than Shade and Scotta, we're never going to refer to this movie again. But they go back a lot. I know that I almost had it. It's like fleeting. It's like at the edge of my mind. I can almost see the mirage of it. I know that there's an example of a TV show based on a movie or like a miniseries mm-hmm. or whatever that did the opposite of this. Basically, oh, no. that, that, like we owe ourselves to this. However, fuck it. <laughs> and not even like a, not even in a kind of like, Oh, well, you know, your limitations. Mm-hmm. Like, not even a somewhat explainable way. Yeah. I'm sure it'll come down. I, I'm, I'll be mid-sentence in an hour from now, and all of a sudden you're like, Then you can just drag it and drop it to this moment. Let's pause you think significantly right now. So the thing you're talking about is... Okay, I think that was good enough. Pause. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Alright, so we're gonna go ahead and watch go ahead. it. Yeah, we're gonna go watch it. Uh, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about it. Okay, so we're back. We are. It's kind of funny. Last couple episodes, we were like, I was surprised. I forgot how good or how bad or whatever, whatever. Like, we were, we came back with, like, exclamations of so on. This one's like, we knew what we were getting mm-hmm. into, and we come out with a normal amount of satisfaction. It's yeah, nice. like, this it's nice is... nice middle ground of emotional turmoil. This is one that we just can rely on. Mm-hmm. There we go. That's a good way of putting it. It's a reliable episode. It aged well, too. It did, except for the, um, <laughs> except for the coloring. Well, yeah, okay, let me rephrase. <laughs> In terms of acting, political correctness, you know, not being, yeah, yeah. for example, friends, you know, where everyone's always yeah. mentioning nowadays how it's not inaccurate, how that's not aging well. No. Yeah, this episode, to be fair, none of the episodes, all their flaws weren't that they didn't age yeah. well. <laughs> their flaws were specific. Other things. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just, this one, it, it aged well. Mm-hmm. I just like how uh, Jack O'Neill and Richard Dean Anderson are both respectful of the people around them cough cough the women but you know people in general <laughs> yeah jack barely interacts with his team at all in this episode either jack oh yeah i mean that makes like sense. there's instances later on when he's in the same room with them but he doesn't have like real conversations with any of them because like the team is there to help out and be like background characters mm-hmm. but this is not a story for them mm-hmm. no they're uh side stories to, to break up the monotony of the main story the b plot line thank you today's just one of those days of everything i think is just not just, like, I'm always a little adjacent, mm-hmm. but I can usually like, get there. I'm at that extra step. There you go. The, the bridge is up right now. 
It's, I'm waiting for it to go back down. There's a boat going underneath. <laughs> so I guess we'll just get into the episode. So we open up with a terrible matte painting. Actually, we open up with a great angle shot. Yeah, no, oh, that's true. Okay, so, yeah, it's a pretty good angle Starts shot. Starts off awesome, goes immediately downhill, it's and then like picks itself back up. Someone, like, crouched down at Christopher Judge's feet and just looked up with the camera. That's cool. But way. then it, like, pans around to show what, okay, here, here's you, the thing. You thought that the Minoan one was bad. <laughs> here's a high point and a low point. The setting for this planet is awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, that just expanse of yellow sand. Which I was actually kind of convinced was a soundstage, but... Isn't. And then the uh, really bright blue crystals, shattered crystals all spread around. Really great. I love the contrast of colors is really a wonderful choice. The contrast it's kills not, me. It's not the kind of like setting we see a lot, which also helps because we mostly just see a whole bunch of forests. So it's really interesting to see a different setting. But <laughs> it's actually kind of ironic when you think about it because like, it wasn't it last episode they talk about how Abydos was a exception yeah. an outlier because mm-hmm. it wasn't forested or whatever yeah. and then what do they do go to another desert like planet <laughs> it's like Haha, irony they do a couple more long distance shots than they really should have considering how bad the matte painting is it, it wouldn't have, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't have been saved if, by this but it would not have been as bad if they hadn't added the map yeah the map looked blurry as hell it was blurry it was obviously painted it was, a map has tons of like little tiny instruments and shit on it. It's a very detailed kind of thing, which stands out a lot mm-hmm. when compared to when put against the backdrop of yellow sand and big blue crystals. Yeah, it was it was rough. Yeah, every the time they kind of stood out, but the mouth really stood every out. time they did a distant shot, I was like, no, no, please go in tight, go in tight, please, I'm begging you. Because like like I was saying, I love the color contrast. I love, and we found out this is an actual like location and everything. Yeah, I uh, I guess I was kind of convinced it was. I had two ideas in my head. Either it was a soundstage because when he like landed on the sand, it kind of looked like yeah. one of those packing peanuts all crunched up. Mm-hmm. Um, or I figured uh, it was filmed at White Sands because I've actually been there, and you would not believe how much shit's filmed there. <laughs> like hell, I, I th- I'm pretty sure the first episode, literally the first episode of uh, SGU, huh. takes place. On big white sure, desert, yeah. pretty damn sure it's white sands. Anyway, I figured like it was probably white sands with like a co- uh, with a color, color filter. Turns out no filter at all, actually, because it's in Vancouver. There's a huge sulfur mine. Are we sure there's there. no filter at all? Because when Jack's moving, there is a clear no, green that's, um, that's, hue uh, behind uh, that's, him. That's oh my god, I had the word for like a second. Um, residual image. It's just bad camera. Oof. It's just older, older quality camera. Plus, again, with the color t- contrast right, already going on. Right? Plus, this TV is too good. It's it's, it's color composition, everything. Mm-hmm. It's like that, you know, that extra four color crap. Yeah, I've seen that episode a few times. I don't remember that green no. residual thing. I think it was conflated. Yeah, by the TV. Yeah, this TV's been uh, guilty of a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's like, watching. Oh, stop ruining my memories of this right? not being. This, this, it didn't look as bad in, in my memory. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so it's it's just residual image. Um, okay. uh, just because his uniform mm-hmm. was such a different and also oh, a yeah. very um, uh, dark, dark tone versus yeah, a yeah. bright tone. So it was just yeah, because when he wasn't moving, it was fine. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so they're in a setting with uh, yellow sand, blue shadowed crystals, crystals all around. But on the Vancouver thing, mm-hmm. it's actually one of uh, that whole area that we're walking on is only one of two massive sulfur files. Dang! Wow, it must have smelled like shit. Probably. I went to a sulfur mine once, and all I could, all I could think about was how it smelled like Yellowstone. Oh yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I was just that was. I used cool. to collect stones, and I collected a lot oh, of yeah. sulfur. Oh god, my parents probably have three separate chests of drawers filled oh, with yeah. polished rocks. I had about the rock polish. Yeah, I had that too. Yeah, every day we go out to the garage. Yeah, like, and you can hear them because <laughs> the rock guy would just be grinder polisher. Yeah, would just be. 
going for weeks at a time. Yeah, I had the rock polisher, and then, like, I would convince my parents, like, once a week to take me to World Discovery. And remember, they had, they had, um, just this little, like, wheelbarrow table kind of thing set up that just had a whole bunch of little squares full of different types of rocks all sorted together, and you could just fill bags and pay by the bag. Huh. There's been a few places in my travels, like, you know, tourist side time shops that have done, like, you know, basic versions of that, but that's, it's never not fun. So, yellow sand, blue shadow crystals all around, they're all, like, Trying to figure out what's been going on here. It's a little weird seeing a pile of crystals yeah, in the middle of Yeah, nobody knows what's dune. going on. They're, they're, so they all kind of split off in their own directions and go investigate. Uh, Jack manages to find, on his own, a whole crystal. Yes, I like, okay, knowing what you know about, like, later on, you know, they tell you what happened to these crystals, right? How the fuck did they miss the one intact crystal when they were shooting I don't know. Like, it just, it, I have this image in my head of a bunch of Jafar, just It's like that joke from uh, Family Guy where uh, they're... The uh, guys are escaping from prison, and the and the uh, prison guards mm-hmm. are holding their guns above their heads and pointing backwards, like "Why can't we hit them?" <laughs> As they're shooting at them, like they're like looking off to the side, like "Yeah, did you see the game on Friday?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 cool. Okay, the well, gold game. I heard a lot of crystal shattering. We're fine. Well, the thing is, it wasn't anywhere near any of the other shattered crystals, so I think they missed it in the initial gathering. Well, then that, that makes it even worse, considering how bright blue it Yeah. <laughs> it just kind of cracks me up that, oh, I definitely think there was a Jaffa that, like, was told, you go off in that direction. He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And as soon as he disappeared ab- below the set his dude, ass down. He sat <laughs> down and took texting. a nap. <laughs> you can just see, like, that teenage-style Jaffa. Yeah, just, like, exactly. Fuck that shit. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Jack goes closer to check it out. He gets shocked, knocked back on his butt, and unconscious. And then a moment later, Jack is standing over Jack, staring down at him in confusion. Was it on the planet? What? Or at SGC, where she calls it uh, granite crystals? Sure on the, the planet. planet. Yeah. Before they split up. Right. Yeah, that's she why says, he gets shocked. That's- she says, um, granite, not... <laughs> that's what kills me. Oh, God. What was it? Granite, not... I don't know. I was too focused on the fact that she said granite when it clearly, my first thought was, okay, those are like quartz crystals. Yeah. And then I like looked it up because I was annoyed by that. Not only is it not even that, it's hydrated copper sulfate. So it's like, it actually kind of makes sense now that I think it's about it. It's an that she alien didn't get it crystal. Right. Well, it makes sense that she didn't get it right because geology really isn't her No, uh, it's thing. not. It just cracked me up that she said granite. It's like, have you seen granite before? It does not form no. in gigantic no, blue crystals. No, it doesn't. Transparent, giant, blue crystals. You don't need to know what copper sulfate is. But you definitely know what granite. Is. Also, say it's an alien life form. It's probably not even granite, right? What even kills me even more about that is when I was looking that up. Granite brought me to see also the Cheyenne Mountain Complex, which cracked me up even more because apparently that's buried under two thousand tons of granite. So she sees granite every day. There you go. She knows what granite looks like. Does she? Apparently not. <laughs> but yeah, just amused the shit out of me. But I like how they are kind of scientifically accurate with the co- copper sulfate crystals on a sulfur mine. Mm-hmm. I just I, this show had some attention to detail. Man. Yeah, but yeah. So there's just a just long enough scene of like Jack looking down at Jack and like you know slightly eerie, unsettling music. Like what's going on? <laughs> they kept doing that chimey music. Oh like, yeah. What I like it's is like that mysterious. they like don't explain anything. I like that. No, I, yeah, I love it. There's like that one- Until the very end? Yeah, there's like that one tragic line of exposition that makes yeah, no sense. It's exactly. like, because context doesn't exist, apparently. As, and, aside from that, this episode kind of trusts you to be able yeah, to think for yourself. They, or they just let you, they're like, look, you'll figure it out as you go along. Or you won't, in that yeah. case, we don't care. <laughs> but uh, while that's happening, then um, apparently the team's like, okay, we're done here. 
And I love that, like, Daniel calls to Jack over the walkie, like, hey, uh, we're done, we're leaving. And then, like, Jack doesn't respond right away, so he's like, how do you work this thing? <laughs> Daniel, how many planets have you been to and you don't know how to use a walkie yet? All I can imagine is that they haven't let him be away from anybody long enough for him to need to use one. Oh god, it's even better. He keeps wandering off, right? They just finally slapped a radio in his hand and said, if you're gonna just hold on to this. This is your security blanket. This is your buddy system. If you must do your thing, at least we can find you. Except they didn't bother to teach him how to use one. I guess they figured it was self-explanatory. Apparently not, because he sounds he sounds like an, a, a grandparent trying to figure out how to work a VCR. Yeah, I just like how the two smart, you know, quote unquote, smart Aren't people idiots. Just, he doesn't know how to work a radio, and she doesn't know what coarse co- and or a copper sulfate or such granite is. I love okay. this. I love this episode because, like, like we were saying, this episode is all about Jack and Sarah. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, the team is in the episode, but they <laughs> they're barely. There. But they barely interact with Jack at all. They interact with each other plenty. You can tell because this is like the episode where they become the trouble twins, Daniel and Sam. Oh yeah, no, it's they're uh, so good in this episode. I love them. There's an alternate universe out there where they were um, siblings, like yeah, twins. You know, either actually together. actually born together as twins, mm-hmm. or like Daniel got adopted into the family or something. Actually, I could see the adopted thing. That makes me. I could absolutely that. see him getting adopted oh, that's, that's, after that's his. Yep. After his, what in my head are his second parents, his his foster they are. parents. They are well, well, that's only if you. It's because of the whole stupid thing about the um the movie, the line where Catherine's showing him the picture of the parents, and mm-hmm. she's like, "Are these your parents?" And he says, "Um, foster parents or something, adopted parents, adopted parents, adopted parents." That's right. Cause I I. I I, we kind of both went on a little bit of a mini thing. I I just hate that extra line of the adoptive parent. There's, like, no need for it. Exactly. It means nothing in the movie, yeah. and it makes things in the TV show more confusing. Right. Not to mention from a real-life perspective, I don't like it when people feel the need to exaggerate yeah. that adopted part. Because it's like, your whole thing about adopting somebody into your family is that you're making them part of your family. Uh-huh. You're choosing to make them part of your family. That may, is as good yeah. a decision, uh, valid a reason to be considered full family as anything, but when you add that adoptive title, it makes it seem, you know, separated mm-hmm. apart. It's like, my sister is my sister. Yeah, exactly. She's not my adopted sister. She's I my sister. I don't introduce Matthew as my adopted exactly, brother. right? Like, if people are see him and go, you look nothing alike, I go, well, he's adopted. Right. Like, I like to screw with people. When... Or when they're like, wait, there's eight years between you? Right. He's adopted. Yeah. That's a bit different. Yeah. But, like, I, he's my brother. I don't. Right. My sister and I like to screw with people because, you know, she's Hispanic, and I'm very much not. <laughs> same, <laughs> and, same, same. Right? So it always amuses us because people are like, like your sisters? That's why people think we're together. Mm-hmm. It's really gross. People always think we're married or something. But we used to we used to screw with people when people would give us that look, and we just go, oh, we have different dads. Because always just shut that down quick. I mean, you do. <laughs> exactly. It just really annoys me. It's, just, it's, it's, just, it's a little disrespectful to the people who are adopted. Also, like, just Plus contextually. The raising that kid. It's like, that's my kid. Fuck you. Also, <laughs> just contextually from that scene in the movie. I know we're talking about the movie in the seventh episode, but just. That's because this draws on stuff in the movie. I know. It relates. But it's just weird that she shows him a picture of a baby with adults. And that's a thing where they went, oh yeah, adoptive. That makes sense. No, it would make sense if he's like seven in mm-hmm. the picture. 
why would he even know that he's adopted if which is why i had to be like well that's like their first child and he got adopted later because it doesn't when we when we get to gamekeeper that doesn't make any sense you know if there's one thing i know about infants is that their facial recognition is amazing and they're very aware that hmm, these are not the same faces i I saw at first (laughs) like what i love the movie but that part is just it just so i have like i said i have to make up things about that scene to make it make sense yeah fake jack goes back crystal jack is what the trivia calls him crystal yeah jack. yeah i and I like my notes jack. it says not jack i like that <laughs> it just it says not jack comes to see his blank i'm gonna get, we'll get there in a minute but yeah it's just a lot of not jack does this not jack does that <laughs> so the double goes back with the team and then we see not jack going into the locker room to, oh, there's there's a mission briefing where they tell Hammond about what was there. They don't know what's yeah, going they, on. It's a, it's a pretty basic debrief. It's, it's very like, vague because we they don't know what's it. going on there yeah. yet. We came, we saw, we gathered some crystals. Yep, exactly. And we came back with all the members of our team. Mm-hmm, Nothing mm-hmm. else happened. Nothing's going on weird. Jack's, like, not at the table. He's staring out a window, not contributing at all. But, you know, he's never contributes unless someone throws something at him. So it's fine. Unless he needs to be sarcastic. There's just nothing to say. Yeah, I don't think he contributes much to missions ever, because no one even looked at him. Yeah, yeah. Well, they actually, they call him that episodes, seasons later. That guy who, uh, I don't know if you ever saw that one, the guy who finds that rock or whatever in the um, garage sale, so the guy thinks he's uh, seeing (gasps) Yes, that one! And it turns out that he, um, for years, tried to write these stories, and no one wanted to publish them, because he was writing them from how Jack's Jack, point of view. Right, and Jack writes his, his basically writing down what Jack's uh, debriefs were. Which his is nothing. Were shit, because he couldn't, he doesn't care. He does the mission. He will give the information mm-hmm. that he needs to give, but a debriefing is like the worst. Well, he's got the Wonder twin on, Twins on his team. He knows that anything that needs to be covered in the briefing, they'll cover it. Right. Only thing that's better than that is an episode of SGA where uh, Ronan is, gets in trouble for not ever doing his uh, debrief paperwork. <laughs> that makes sense. His, uh, at post-mission stuff. When the, uh, the leader of the mission gives him a recorder instead. <laughs> he's like, maybe that's just not your forte. And he's like, okay, cool. And then at the end of the episode, he gives the recorder back, and the guy plays it, and he goes, all right, this is, you know, Ronan mission debrief. We went to the planet. We stopped the wraith. We came home. <laughs> like, the, wraith, the wraith tried to do this. We stopped them. <laughs> that's, like, literally it. And you just see, like, the long-suffering look on the guy's face, like, motherfucker. <laughs> like, I give up. Fuck it. <laughs> It's like pulling, what's that uh, phrase? Pulling water from a stone or something? Blood from a stone. That thing, yeah. That, that that thing. His debriefing is not his favorite part. You can pull water from a stone. That's why I didn't sound right. <laughs> I don't want to know why your stone's bleeding. <laughs> if your stone's bleeding, I don't want, uh, you have other problems. Jack's not being weird to them because he's just doing his normal yeah. Jack thing of, I but don't so, yeah. want to be here. After the mission debriefing, uh, Jack is in the locker room. He finds a little stowed away, like, treasure box. At the bottom it's of the locker. Garbage. Yeah, but it's like a, I know, just, uh, I like a personal treasure box. Yeah. And he finds pictures of Charlie in there. Well, he finds a lot of pictures in there, but it's specifically, well, and now he's Charlie. I, I'm going to call him Tyler Charlie. <laughs> Which is where we were like, why, why, why do you only have two names in this show? Why do you, why do you have Charlie and Sarah? <laughs> I guess I have to keep an eye out for Tyler's to see if that becomes a thing, too. Yeah, but Tyler's only in the movie. It doesn't matter. But yeah, so he finds pictures of Charlie. Sam comes in, because apparently I was right a couple of episodes when I said, oh yeah, the lockers are probably on like an hour sh- uh, an hour swing shift. We're like, oh, on the odd hours, it's the men's locker. On the even hours, it's the women's locker or whatever. So Sam comes in and she's like, hey, you gotta hurry it up. It's about to become the women's locker. He's like, oh, about now. Yeah. 
so you want to get moving? <laughs> like, I like how she's, like, kind of polite, you know, with, like, their superior officers, uh-huh. so on and so forth. But at the same time, it's like, dude, go. Yeah. I smell like sulfur. <laughs> but I do like that she, uh, she sees, she sees his little treasure box of pictures, and she, she initiates small talk. <laughs> yeah, because she's, like, excited to, like, know things about Jack. Because, as they explicitly note several times in this episode, Jack doesn't share a lot of himself until you really get to know him. And they've worked together for a couple of weeks now. She doesn't know anything personal about him. To the point to where she thinks he currently has a family. I like how he doesn't wear a ring. Which doesn't well, really the ring was in the box. Right. He doesn't wear a ring, so you know, it makes sense that she wouldn't have yeah. Yeah, gone with that. And some people just don't wear rings. That, that would have been, mm-hmm. in and of itself, not a thing. So he's you know, looking through some pictures, mementos, what have you. Oh, you have a family. This is going to sound sexist. Have you ever heard of a man who has a son that he doesn't talk about unless he's ashamed of the kid? <laughs> that kind of thing. Like, it's just not a thing. So it's just, what I'm trying to say here is it's actually a compliment to her acting. Mm-hmm. And she's like, not just kind of awkward sounding because she's like, not just trying to initiate small yeah. talk, not just trying to get him to leave. <laughs> it's also like, you have a child, like a child child. You have a family. That's weird that you never mentioned him. Yeah. And then the box because it's your secret second family. <laughs> like, there's moments of like, why is this? Okay. Yeah, because Sam Teal and Daniel are his first family. <laughs> right there, you go. It's a, it's a confusion cheating, <laughs> but it just kind of. It, I just. Oh, you have a family. It's like, yeah, it but it's cute. Out of left field because she's like trying to maintain small talk, and she's like, "Oh yeah, I'm an aunt." Blah blah blah. I do like. And all I can think is, it's okay, Sam. You'll be a mom soon. <laughs> you'll be a woman. <laughs> yeah, and I I do like how she brings you know the kid in it, and you can see her like doing this with a zipper. Like I need to. Yeah, like come on, okay, like, small talk. Can you leave now, Jack? Please. Like which I, I called forth the things <sighs> in your hands, which makes you realize you need to move on with this part, which means you need to leave. Which it does. Now. He gets. He clearly gets some idea in his head, puts his stuff away, and leaves. But I love the fact that she was so, like, subtly pushy at Jack to leave. Because the moment Jack leaves, Daniel walks in, and Sam doesn't even blink at Daniel walking in. That's because his, his that whole scene was purely for convenience. Just so he could give the information that she needs there. Well, what it looked like is he was literally dropping something off in right, his Right, but like, if it hadn't been for Jack, not Jack, being there for that extra amount of time. She already would have been mid-strip, probably. <laughs> so it's like, he almost walked in on the Eiffel. I find it amusing that co-ed... She wouldn't have cared. Sh- <laughs> I do like how co-ed hourly shift locker rooms are, like, so open space. They're so open They're concept. depending on these people to be professional adults. I love which it. Which is great. Yeah, I, I do love, love it. it. I just also but find I also it funny that he love... could have walked in on anything. But there. I also just love the fact that Daniel just casually walks in after her being so explicit with, hey, Jack, you gotta fucking leave now. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't even blink at Daniel. She doesn't mention it at all. She just has a conversation with Daniel. He walks past her to get to his locker, starts fiddling with something in his locker. It's like he's like just... gonna grab one item or some shit yeah. like that. Actually, it looks like he dropped something off. Right, yeah, something along those lines. Yeah, like, important... I literally think he came in there to drop something off and then he's gonna leave. But it's just so funny it's just the contrast of hey jack you want to leave now oh hey daniel let's talk because jack regardless i don't at this point in the show i don't think that there's like any kind of romantic no 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 i I don't buy into that shit Um, i think they both think the other is cute exactly there's still that subconscious you know the primal attraction kind of crap sam and daniel are siblings yeah exactly (laughs) daniel is literally does not register to her as a sexual object being sorry he's a non-threatening he's non-threatening exactly you know, oh god, you know why, you know, this totally makes sense too, is why she's a little awkward around him in that locker room. Because last time she was in the locker room with him, she propositioned Yeah, him. yeah, probably. So she's like, hey, do you want to get out of here? Because I don't want you seeing me in that tank top again. <laughs> I, I just don't need those comments. And, you know, can you, can, can this not happen right now? Hey, hi, Daniel. <laughs> you didn't see me half naked. <laughs> 
that we know of. I could totally see Daniel, like, let's say she was mid-strip, right? And he just walks in to do his thing. And just turns around and walks right back off. Oh. I could see her being like, oh, that's true, because we talked about, um, what was it, like, two episodes ago or whatever, when something was happening and Daniel just didn't fucking right. notice exactly. it happening at all. Yeah, I could totally He'd just s- walk right past her with her shirt up over her head and just go to his locker. <laughs> do, 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 do. Like that, like that, and she'd pause for a minute. trope awkward moment, like her face is like, kind of caught in the shirt. She's like, shit, shit. And uh, then, like, he's not doing anything. So she's like, I'm just gonna fucking finish. Who cares? It's like, all right, that, yep, that checks out. That's, that's Daniel. That's, that's Daniel, all right. Great, we're good. <laughs> just the moment. Oh, sh- oh it's just Daniel. Okay. Oh, it's just Daniel. He's it's not fine. even looking anyway. And we're clear. <laughs> No, I can just imagine, no, just imagine, like, she's, like, like got her shirt halfway up, so, like, showing all, like, not a lot, but, you know, shirt's up, freezes as someone walks in, realizes it's Daniel, Daniel doesn't notice at all, like, keeps that pose the whole time. Exactly, yeah, it's great. And Daniel walks right back out again without even, or maybe even he goes, oh, hi, Sam, but doesn't look at her at all. It's like, almost like that, uh, it's not my favorite scene in the first Guardians movie. It's like when the, they're doing the rockets going on about, like, what, what they need to escape from prison, right? And, he, you know, the Quantics battery, whatever, and whatever you do, we have to get that last. And as he's talking about the, all the things he needs, you can see Groot has You're heard just that. walking he's away. Just slowly <laughs> going to grab it, and then you can see um, Drax walking up and looking around, like, is anyone else seeing this? <laughs> yeah, it was so like, good. <laughs> this is happening, right? And then, like, the oh. thing gets ripped off and hits some guy in the head. That's and so he's still pulling, pulling, funny. and Drax is still just kind of, like, Watching, like, okay, cool, I guess dinner at a show. And the whole time is Rocky just doing, I love that, I love those kind of shots. I love, that's my, my favorite. Stuff happening in the it's background. It's one of my favorite types of cinematography. Oh, I love it. I love it. Things. It's just, I, it's great. That would have been terrific in this episode. It's fine that it didn't do it, but my head, is, my head cannon's there. It was, it's, it's, it's definitely there. happened in different It's ep- possible yeah. for it to have happened. Oh, it definitely has happened. I'm sure it there's been. not shown on camera. Okay, this is Daniel we're talking about. Has anyone told him there's a split shift on the locker? I was just thinking that. I was just thinking that. It's like, has anyone even bothered to tell him? He walks in on people all the time, and they always go, oh, it's just Daniel, and just keep going Honestly, about their business. Plus, when you, when you put it together, you know, bleh, plus, when you think about it, there's definitely a markedly smaller population of female oh, yeah, yeah. Air Force personnel in that building, mm-hmm. uh, mountain. So, the chance of him happening to you know the, the it's you just know that the hours for women are probably like a little bit less in, in oh, a yeah, fair way like, fair. It, it does make sense of the yeah of the difference yeah, in numbers like, like the volume uh-huh. you can't get as much you know so on and so forth so i could totally see it being like somebody's like did anyone tell me i mean first off it's daniel second off the chances are it's nothing <laughs> like it's probably like a i'm just imagining like a year later oh no no uh oh uh west when west comes to take over yeah. he finds out about this and he's like why has nobody told Dr. Jackson there's a female time slot? <laughs> okay, I could totally see, like, Dr. Jackson, can you please adhere to the time slot rules? There, what, what time, time slot rules? And, like, there's a paper on the wall. So like, <laughs> it's all yellowed and, and like, wrinkles for them the entire time. He just, and you can see Daniel just going, how long has this been here? Is that been here the whole time? And then Wes turns to his team and goes, you haven't told him this whole time? And Sam's like, he- it's Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> He's walked in when people are mid-change and doesn't even notice. I love it. But yeah, so the real point in him coming into the locker room is so that he could explain to Sam, oh no, Jack's family is dead. Well, his son is. He's like, no, he's... One third of his family is dead. Basically, he's divorced and his son is dead. Separated. They're not divorced yet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I found that interesting that they specified separated, which kind of, again, beautiful attention to detail because a little later, she's like, you know, Walt's... Are you trying to come back? Yeah, Walt's back into my life. It's reconciliation, which Mm -hmm. is a lot harder to do after divorce, but it makes all of that much more... Yeah, 
feeling, you know, wise. And separation, when people actually like do the whole like legal separation, mm-hmm. it can go for a couple of years in terms oh, yeah, of like yeah. if you are actually doing a trial separation on and purpose honestly, and not just like that lazy separation where you try for like a year and then just never get around to yeah. divorcing. But honestly, like considering their situation, starting with separating makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because it's not like they stopped loving each other They just went through something pretty fucking traumatic. Yeah. That they couldn't handle with each other. Yeah. Basically, Daniel's in there to be a plot device to explain to Sam, no, no, that's, that, whatever his reaction that you saw, that wasn't normal. (laughs) Yeah. In terms of exposition for him there, that was pretty tame. That was like three sentences. They summed it up He says it in like a sentence. Right. Pretty much. great. Because Sam basically says, oh yeah, he was showing me pictures, or looking at pictures of his family or whatever. And, I didn't know, know he was married or something. I didn't know he was married. Well, he's and not. Daniel's like, he's not. I mean, and then he was. He, but yeah. now they're separated. It happened after his son died. Yeah, it's like real brief. It's very to the point. It it's feel, it feels natural. Yeah. A tiny amount of the requisite Daniel fumbling. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's Daniel. Yeah. Oh, Michael Shanks' acting in this episode, considering he is a background character, is phenomenal. So is so is Amanda Tapping. Okay. Uh, especially because like um, especially because Sam like has no freaking clue what's going on. Like Michael Shanks and Amanda Tapping in this episode, like just for judges always great. But Amanda Tapping and Michael Shanks in this episode are great for like completely different reasons. Oh hell yeah. Like they're both background characters and they're both going for completely different feelings, but they're so good at portraying them. Like no, I'm gonna start calling them the Gemini twins, honestly, like from the myth. They're the they're the, the chaos twins. <laughs> uh, it's just a moment like there's subtle subtle differences, there's big differences. <clears throat> Things that you think will make it like jagged edged like, but nope, just No, I, no, mm. I'm sorry. Chaos twin is not the word I wanted. They're they're the wonder twins. Yeah, they're cheesy enough for it. Yeah. <laughs> He's in there to say, Hey, uh, no, that's not there's something going on there. I don't know what he told you, but that's wrong. And then we sh- see that uh not Jack has gone to find Sarah. His yes, those are a couple of little, little flashes, little blue crystal flashes. Yeah, and they have a little bit of a... Con- What's interesting about this episode is it's a really good episode, but there's a lot of, like, very personal conversation that I'm not gonna... I, I take semi-detailed notes, but I'm not gonna write down every bit of dialogue exchange. That's because we're even recapping. Though, even though they're good dialogue exchanges, like, they do a really good job of portraying, like, that awkward exchange of separated mm-hmm. partners. People and who very much still care about each other, but are, who are a little trying to talk around yeah. hurts and everything. But, so he has a little bit of a conversation with Sarah. Um, we note that Sarah looks an awful lot like a slightly I, older Sam. It, it's funny, I remember watching this before, obviously, and I remember having that moment of, like, huh, I just forgot how much. Oh, yeah. Jesus. I will say, this version of Sarah definitely looks, feels a lot more like someone that Jack okay. would be married yeah. to than the movie version. To be fair, the movie version was much better suited for Kurt Russell. Fair, absolutely. I will give you that. That's someone Kurt Russell yeah, would have been married to. Their counterparts were accurate to yeah. their Did a good job respective mm-hmm. media genre. But I honestly, I love um, Sarah in this show. Uh, I think she shows up, like, one more time. It would have been nice, like, I, I probably would have been forced if she showed up again. But it would have been nice to see her again. Right. I like her. She's yeah, really was... good. She does some really good emotion, uh, emoting in this. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was great, because I remember, like, back in the beginning of the episode, when after not Jack wakes up, you can see that little subtle face twitch, and you can just immediately... Richard Dean Anderson did a great job. You can oh, immediately yeah. you tell, can it's not tell when it's, it's not Jack. It's really huge. It's just, like a, just a little something. And then he switch. has just like these like pauses right. between talking. Yeah. And his, his uh, voice is a little bit changes. more yeah. Um, monotone. Yeah. 
blonde cadence change. It's great. No, it's great. Richard Dean Anderson is yeah. amazing. And then who is he playing across from? This woman I don't know the name of who did a it's phenomenal. Also excellent like job. I like the fact that like she can it's she hasn't seen Jack in a while, but she can tell something's up with right. him. Almost like if she was married to him for years yeah. and understands who he is as a person. It's, it's but phenomenal. so they have a little bit of a conversation and then he winds up telling her, I need to find Charlie. Which that changes the tone of that conversation real quick. Yeah, she gets mad at him and runs into the house. Well, she's confused at first, and then he goes, yells for Charlie. Yeah, starts yelling like like Charlie will come out of the house or around yeah. the corner or something. And also, that's when she yells at him and then runs into the house. Also, can we just take a moment to reflect on how heartbreaking <laughs> it is that the kid's bike is still out? It's just sitting next to the house. Yeah, it's like where a kid probably leaned it up against, or probably a parent, because well, the kid probably dropped it. They have a conversation later where he's like, you kept all of his things. Yeah. And she's basically like, yeah, I couldn't let go of them yet. Right. The, that hoop thing. That isn't an, an area that makes sense, you know, but the kid's mm-hmm. bike leaning like that well, as, mean, if it, as, as, oh, yeah. as if it's waiting for mm-hmm. its owner to come back. It's like, well, that's depressing. Well, I mean, it's been only a little so. over a year yeah. since he died. Oh, I'm not... Yeah, no, it's completely slice. understandable. I think I think the progress here honestly makes a lot of sense. Sarah's dad comes out and, like, scolds Jack for a minute. Like, if you came here just to upset her or whatever, you can leave. Stares at Jack for a minute and this is, come on in. Right. I, I do like how you, I was, you know mentioning it back when it was happening was uh mm. he come, came out to, to probe a little test mm-hmm. the waters to see why she was upset like okay is he being a raging jackass or is it a potential misunderstanding yeah because she obviously he's been exposed to this guy for a while too yeah, yeah. you know so he knows i'm guessing well, that jack is explicitly he explicitly says something about you know yeah, jack him, being yeah. his son-in-law exactly. like gives you know him, gives him a, there's a there's a relationship yeah, he there he immediately gives him a chance yeah and then immediately sees okay this she wasn't upset because you did something on purpose yeah. or so on you're so clearly forth. confused and upset right now as well yeah. so he invites him in mm-hmm. then we cut back to uh sgc and teal has decided since jack was supposed to take him out and like show him the world but this is not Jack, who is preoccupied with um, trying to fix things. I can't heal you right now. I have to yeah, this exactly. So he was like, oh, not today. And so Teal's decision was, okay, fine. I'll go watch TV. And it's that whole trope I of, like, that trope. I, I hate know. I so much. It only, you know, the only, I'm sure there's another one out there somewhere that's done it as well, but um, the only one I've seen that's ever done it well is Farscape. Where, when they show up somebody watching the TV, it's so they can learn English. And it's like Sesame Street uh-huh. or something. And, and at one point, actually, it's, uh, it's Claudia Black, uh, Vala, basically. She looks at the TV and goes, why is, this, why is this child not picking this language up? What, is, she just, is she just mentally deficient or something? You know, she's making fun of the kid. And E.T. Then, has him learning through Sesame Street as well. Oh, there you go. Cool. Um, and then later, Dargo, one of the characters, uh, talks to some human kid. He's talking about how media always portrays aliens as something to be feared. And it's like, mm-hmm. they call out that violence is inherent to people, yeah. humanity, but they didn't do the trope in what happened here. Yeah, or where like he sees, element, like, a riot on... Right. I love how whenever an alien that looks at a TV on Earth, he it's always... He only finds the bad thing. They flip through, like, six channels, and each one is, like, riots, Syria. <laughs> it's always violence, greed, bad say, rock and roll. The stock... I mean, one of the things you saw was the stack stock market. That's not violent. Greed. It just greed. doesn't make any sense. Greed. Yeah, but from what he saw, he's not gonna get greed from that. He's going to see men in white shirts... Waving oh, yeah. their hands around weirdly. He's just going to be confused by that. Yeah. Which I think plays Read into her uh, like, derangement. <laughs> like, this, like you were saying, this is a trope, and but it leads into a great line later on, so I forgive it. Oh, yeah. Because of the exchange that happens later on. This... Mostly for, again, Michael Shanks' amazing delivery. Right. Like I was saying, like he probably got this 
the script went, oh, I'm in the background for most of this. Honestly, if you told I'm me- I'm gonna have fun with it! The trivia didn't say anything about it, so I bet, I bet it was scripted, but if you told me that that line was ad-libbed, I'd believe it. Oh yeah! <laughs> yeah, this episode doesn't do quite as well as Farscape did, but this one still does it a little better. Yeah. Like, it's still just a step up. Because the thing is, he doesn't even look disturbed, he just looks kind confused, of, like, like, confused and, like, trying to parse it. I've seen because none of Because Tilk is an intelligent- too. he's just an intelligent person. So then he's seeing this okay, chaos, and he's like, what the he's heck is- like, Okay, now I understand why they live underground. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's basically what he gets out of this. He's like, okay, so I should stay under this mountain forever. And that comes up later on. But, um, so he, he watches the TV. And then, um, Sam... I Jack... Sorry, Daniel can't work a radio, but Teal can work a remote. I know. It's great. Uh, but Sam and Daniel come running into Teal's room because earlier they'd been, like, staring at the shattered crystals and, like... Sam had, like, been looking at where it was shattered, and she's like, I recognize these patterns. And they both kind of just look at each other for a minute and then run off. <laughs> this is the Wonder Twin uh, mental connection happening. But they run off to Teal'c's room, where they literally just, like, literally run and pose in his doorway right next to each other, like, Hi! Hi! It's, it's basically like, hey, does, does Teal'c want to come out and play? It's <laughs> Johnny. But it's so good because they basically, like, hey, uh, we need, we need you for something real quick. And Tilk just turns and looks at them and goes, your world is a strange place, or something along those lines. And Michael Shanks' delivery here is so freaking great. Because so instant, too. Well, that's not, well, it's not even that it's instant, because there's, there is a half-beat pause what? where Daniel considers what, considers what Tilk has just said to him. And then, and then decides <laughs> that his thing, his reason for coming here is far more important. <laughs> so he goes, so it's yours. And then he goes, <laughs> Yeah, so it's yours. And then he goes, Anyway. <laughs> I have important things to do. I just also- It's just like, you can see his brain like really quickly running through, do I explain the nuances of culture or no? <laughs> like a flow chart. Just, nope. <laughs> it's the anthropologist going, do I take the- No, this is Jack's yeah. job. Hey. <laughs> I just realized though, because you know, I needed a side story, right? And I needed to be able to keep the other main characters in. Mm-hmm. There is absolutely no reason why they needed to uh, replicate the crystal shattering thing to make sure it was Jafar. In that, they didn't need to do a, they didn't need to shoot it. Microscope. They have melt patterns. They know. <laughs> like, but they're they're little. They're, they're the chaos twins. They I'm wanted not to do. I it. wouldn't have played with the gun. I'm just saying they didn't need to. I'm <laughs> saying that Daniel and Sam absolutely watch MythBusters together. Exactly. <gasps> Years before it came out, but yes, yes. <laughs> they were the originals. Yes, they they started MythBusters. <laughs> I, I, I have you know when they on. have like those long weekends off. Yep, they're yep. just like in the lab yep. blowing something up together, yep. and then going yay. Right? No, from a storyline perspective, it makes absolute sense. Mm-hmm. From a you know realistic expectations, like okay, there is literally no reason for them to be shooting this. No, also, they brought this crystal back for like study, and now they're shooting it. I know. Nothing about that really makes sense when you think about it. I get it. But it's that moment of, huh. But hey, they get to play with a cool gun. Yeah. But basically they're like, hey, we need you for something. Bring Very your staff. <laughs> and then and then we're like, okay, what's going on? I thought he was going to question it. He's like, oh, okay. Yeah, he's like, all right. <laughs> I trust these two. Like, he knows he's not going off world. They no. would have mentioned that. So I was like, okay, yeah. I'm just going to shoot something in this mountain complex. Cool. Uh, meanwhile, Not Jack is sitting in Charlie's room. Hugging a pillow. Oh, God. Looking so distraught. And, like, he's having a lot of um, flashbacks. Uh, this is, this is, cause, like, this whole time he's been having these, like, vague flashbacks where he's, like, seeing him tossing the ball with, oh, yeah, with Charlie. That's why I mentioned the time, is I love that this crystal life form doesn't just, you know, 
replicate, you know, the body and all mm-hmm. that stuff. It can, um, it literally can take all of it, copies yeah. all of it, which actually makes sense in a cool way because, uh, crystal storage. Yeah, exactly. No, it makes complete sense. Yeah. But, but I also, it doesn't just do uh, memories and stuff. It also does emotional Yeah. Stuff. And this is where it's connecting with it. Because in while he's sitting in the room alone, like, looking at, like, the trophies and the... The abundance of proof that the kid lived here once. Uh-huh. Then that's when he has the flashback where he remembers, quote-unquote remembers, the day that Charlie shot himself. You know, it's that question of, if you build something <laughs> that is literally identical it's that, to what um, the original thing is, is it is basically that what... that boat que- yeah. I don't remember Do what, what the what thing is actually soul, called. Basically. Like, the, it's the boat question. I don't remember what's... It, I, don't, uh, I don't know the boat question part. I just, I just know the thing is, like, is, if this person's identical in literally every way, has all the memories, their personality, everything, is it the same person? I'm, I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna look up the title later so that I can leave a link here. But it's it's basically based on that whole concept of... um. It, or or it's been compared to the fact that you know how like our cells like die and get replaced yeah, yeah, all the every time. Every seven years. Every yeah. seven years for um, a new person. There there's this like theory or uh, philosophy where there's a boat. You start with a boat. Mm-hmm. Over the t- over time, parts of the boat wear down or break off, and you replace them. I've after over this after now. a while, you've replaced every single right. piece of the boat. Is it still the same boat? Well, if you want to go from Brandon Sanderson's perspective of the cognitive realm, yes. Uh, but it's a common philosophy that has been compared to, like, the, the human body and the human soul, mm-hmm. that part's in it's that. Like, is it, it, do you, if you believe that what makes you a person is singular and unique, even if you built an exact down to the last memory, yeah. last emotion, last, that person is you. 100%. If you believe in a soul, no, it's not. Which like, is why you don't like the end of Artemis Fowl. It's not him. <laughs> well, here's the thing. It's not that I don't believe in the soul. It's the fact that that clone doesn't even have all the memories, yeah. all the experiences. It's not him. You but must yeah, have really hated Point Blank, huh? I'm not talking about that. Like, Point Blank is easily yeah. the worst book in that series. Mm-hmm. It's a joke. Yeah. To wrap this tangent up. <laughs> okay, yeah. One thing has ever, and Eric and I are actually not to talk <laughs> about it because he will not drop it. One book story, short story, actually, very short mm-hmm. story, has perfectly pulled off the what do you consider a person? Oh, it's the Emperor's Emperor soul. soul. Yeah, you've you've met, you've had. I've been there for your like passioned discussion they, with Eric she, about this. Everything that is because thinking of cognitive realm, it's mm-hmm. all about what you perceive yourself to be. So if that guy perceives himself as that person, that is a soul yeah. basically, mm-hmm. and it's everything that that guy was was kind of put in stasis almost, and is now taken, mimicked, imparted, imprinted onto this. It's the same body, even. Yeah. It's just the, that mind is gone. He's brain dead. He's gone. Mm-hmm. But she literally takes all of the pieces, everything that made him him, she puts <laughs> him back together. She rebuilds the puzzle. And that's him. Mm-hmm. It is him. But it's that moment where the guy who's um the, his best friend who's having to like come to terms with this is sitting here having to decide for himself whether or not he considers it a lie. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah. Because you know what it is? It's bittersweet as shit. Yeah. It is bittersweet yeah. as shit. But... It does not offer a conclusion mm-hmm. from the perspective of the writer, yeah. of the person in the room, so on and so forth. This one does. Okay. That's like what, I said, that, I haven't read it, so I can't... That's what makes it a copy, I in my opinion. I can't have yeah. that argument yeah. with you yet. No, I just can't. I just, that, that, for me, it's, that's what, to me, decides the difference between literary idea to cop out. Because if you're going for bittersweet and then also offer a conclusion, it's like, but you're taking away from the conundrum... Mm-hmm. Therefore, the philosophical argument is null and void. Yeah. You have ruined the sterile field. Schrodinger's box is open. Fuck you. <laughs> okay. Right. Let's, let's actually get back to the episode now from this huge cut hey. thing that's going to be cut. <laughs> right. This is going to be a very long deleted scene. It's literally just me just going, select, hold. <laughs> 
right, so yeah, he he's sitting in the room. He gets those flashbacks. He realizes what's happened. Like up until this moment, not Jack hasn't had the full picture. Now he has the full picture, and he's starting to understand. I do love that cinematography there, though, because up until that point, all of his little flashbacks, memory kind of memories, mm-hmm. are all angled and kind of warped and fucky. And then the moment it like establishes, you know, the the, the moment the real, it coalesces. Yeah, thank you. The, <laughs> the real gets laid perfectly on the on the runner. Everything becomes upright, yeah, normal. He like descends into the memory. It's oh, cool. that's true. It's, yeah, it's quite nice. And like while he's having that that realization sarah comes to the door and has a little conversation with him it's like she knew more more wonderful conversations that i couldn't even hope to replicate or explain you gotta it's watch emotionally this. poignant as shit mm-hmm. it's well I mean, done. watch this episode just for the conversations mm-hmm. watch the episode for the conversations and then the b-plot because the b-plot is fucking hilarious <laughs> what i love is the um, dialogue was written so well that you know not jack <clears throat> speaks very simplistically mm-hmm. Almost childlike, but not childlike. Yeah. And Richard Dean Anderson's portrayal of it does absolutely wonders Richard Dean Anderson is great so with it. She's having a slightly more complex conversation than he is, but at the same time, he's actually on on par, just in a very different way. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just it's really great. It's really, really, really well pieced together. All the elements. It's emotional. It has layers, and at no point does either one of them become an emotional. Stereotype. Okay, no, sure. especially a woman. I'm so tired of the mother, oh. the weeping, left behind wife who can't get over the loss of her son. It's like, yeah, she'll never get over the loss of her son. It doesn't mean that she's no. she was like working on a car when mm-hmm. he came up to her. It's like life moves on. I like what's what's good about this episode is the fact that it treats both of them, even though one of them's not actually Jack, but it treats both of them like adults, mature adults who yeah. were married, had sex, had a child, lost that child, can have a conversation, mature decisions about together, their trauma. Yeah, and so she actually like. Takes him out of the room, takes him downstairs. They talk about it. They talk through it. Um, he, like, addresses the fact that he explains to her that he left because he felt like she blamed him. Oh, yeah. I loved that thing. That, <laughs> I get accused of that. I, that's why you, I, every time nowadays whenever I talk to people, I always extra preface, mm-hmm. I'm not blaming you. Yeah. I just want to know why you said this. Yeah. Because you know? he's like, well, you know, why um, Why didn't you, like, get mad at me or whatever like that? She's like, wait, so is this my fault? Like, you thought I was mad at you? That's yeah. why you left? It's... It's a great... Yeah, it's great. Like, they're having... It's accurate what's, to how people what's talk. What's wonderful, <laughs> and I, I noted when we were watching this scene, I'm like, what's amazing about this episode is that this episode is for Sarah. Oh, I know, right? It's just... Like, yeah, at the end, Jack, it's his little bit of catharsis, too. Yeah. He's already had most of that preset catharsis. With Scotta and yeah, Daniel. exactly. He, she, she needs to catch up. She so, deserves like, the opportunity. So, like, this episode is her episode. Yeah. She gets to hear a lot of things that she should have heard from Jack a while ago. There's just, like, they have the conversations they should have had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, granted, she's not having these conversations with Jack, but it is with a being who has taken his memories and his emotions and doesn't have the hang-ups that Jack has to communicate them so she is getting that catharsis that she should have gotten a year ago this episode is for her and i love that i love that that respectful treatment of the separated wife that we are never going to see again mm-hmm. like they and, took and she devolve into a child they took this element from the movie that they could have just forgotten and just ignored shelved. for the, yeah shelved it just it yeah, sure, he, he was married, his son's dead. Let's not talk about it anymore. It doesn't matter. It's in the past. Oh, they got divorced. No. It's fine, whatever. They addressed it, resolved it, because it was a hanging thing. Mm-hmm. It makes sense for him to have, you need to have that wrapped up eventually. Mm-hmm. You know, you need, you need to be able to give that the kind of closure it needs. And the best part about this is that it also subconsciously, not subconsciously, uh, subtly cements what later becomes extremely apparent about Jack's mentality towards family. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that the crystal guy 
is able to, you know, like I said, doesn't have the hangups. Mm-hmm. He knows all the hangups, <laughs> but because he's trying to fix something specifically, he's doing this because he knows yeah. the hangups, mm-hmm. but it doesn't experience it the same What way. I also it's like great. is that they don't explain why he's doing any of this until the very end. And when you get the explanation, it's like, okay, I accept this 100%. But again, like we were saying, there's very little exposition in this. Right. There's a lot of conversations between people in this episode. There's some natural dialogue and some contextual clues. Yeah, but they just let you watch it. They let you watch it happen and experience it. And then at the very end, they tie up the loose knots. They go, this is why he did this. That's the beauty of it being on Showtime for this episode specifically. You know, paid for a channel kind mm-hmm. of thing, right? This is less likely for, like, a kid or a young teen <laughs> watching something across it. This is this was a show targeted towards adults. Oh yeah. So this was framed very well. Not the sci-fi channel doesn't do that no. or anything. It's just there's always that underlying element of anybody can be watching yeah. this. And you can there's always way more childlike mentality mm-hmm. added to things. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which can sometimes be funny, like Warehouse 13 pulled off pretty excellently mm-hmm. in my opinion. It's always that little thing. This was a grown up T V show performed by grown ups, written by grown ups for grown ups. This was this was the Mark Twain of its of its day. This was not ever intended for children. This was not a Huck Finn thing. This, mm-hmm. this is a Huck Finn thing, sorry, because Huck Finn was never meant for kids. You could see all mm-hmm. of the, I keep saying mature over and over again, but it's just, it's very balanced. Yeah. No, like, this is a good episode. Yeah. Outside of some of the visual things that are a problem just because they didn't have the technology back then or whatever. Right. And at this point, that is so by the wayside. And the directing <laughs> isn't anything special to write home about, but it's also not freeze frame at the end of the episode you know, so honestly, i feel like the directing i don't think we're giving it quite enough credit because there's a lot of for example the contextual clues yeah there's a lot of panning for example and a lot of long contemplative moments or just like while one, one person's talking another person's focused on it's it's telling a story yeah, no no specifically no, it's, it's i will say another part of the story this is a directing. good this is good directing but, like, I'm just, I'm from now on, I'm going to be comparing every director to Dennis Berry. Right. I know. He did a good Because Dennis Berry was just so good. I did love at one point when um, Not Jack the... was talking in Charlie's room with Sarah. Yeah. And you could see a poster of crystals on the wall right. behind like, him. Cough, cough. It's funny. It's see, that's funny. funny. I like that shit. Yeah, it was good. I love it. Honestly, I uh, as much as I love Dennis Berry's <laughs> stuff, I, and, I, and I do, I, you know, this is actually, in my opinion, this was actually better for me, directing-wise. Because this is more of a, you, unfortunately, it's, it's a natural. It's still too many match cuts and so yeah. on and so forth. I don't know why people are so allergic to tracking shots. Uh, it doesn't need to be excessive. It just, I just, I want this. I want the feeling of continuous movement. Why is this so hard? This isn't. There were no fight scenes in this. There was mm-hmm. no need for so many match. That being said, they may do. Yeah. And this had. I guess. Okay. It's like somber directing. Yes, absolutely. I will give you that. Because I was about to say, I'm like, they're directing for completely different quiet. settings. Like, this directing. episode mostly takes place on Earth. Mm-hmm. That's very distinct. Mm-hmm. Like, there's five minutes on an alien planet, but most of this episode takes place on Earth. Mm-hmm. And most of this pl- episode takes place in mundane locations on Earth. So the somber and, like, they're having, like, real emotional conversations. There's not a lot of action happening. Dennis no, Barry wouldn't music. have filmed this like, as well. There was like no non-diegetic music or anything. Mm-hmm. It was great. Yeah. Dennis Barry wouldn't have been suited to this episode. Dennis Barry's better for like the stuff happening. But the, um, this director, uh, Kenneth Girardi. Yeah. This, uh, this director, Kenneth Girardi, he's very good for the somber, emotional, close-in scenes. It's just that like it's harder to notice that he's... He's a great framing director. Yes. Oh yeah. Good framing. Absolutely. He lets the story be told. He's telling it. He is doing a great job. Mm-hmm. It's like that thing where it's like the best kind of, like, for example, like, you'll never hear about the perfect crime. Mm-hmm. Right? That thing. The best kind of 
director is the you don't one that's unobtrusive. Yeah. Yeah, because that's Everything the thing. So, like, feels so real It took me about halfway through this episode to once again remember, oh, I should be paying attention to directing. <laughs> it's great. Sometimes it's a good thing. Yeah. No, absolutely. If let me rephrase. It's a good thing when it's done correctly. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a light hand, and then there's an actually extremely involved hand, that's but you don't just know. subtle, yeah. Yeah, it's like, as soon as you think about it, and they start putting the pieces together, you're like, oh shit, this guy was in... He was there. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, because there's... Later on, there's this one moment, although this has to do with editing more so, but I also feel like the director might have had a hand in this. The directors actually have a hand in this. Okay, the, 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 but there's the a part later on when um, Not Jack opens his eyes, and, like, there's, like, this, like, tingling music happening mm-hmm. in the background, and Not Jack opens his eyes on the exact beat that the tingling starts. Mm-hmm. The first ting, he opens his eyes. Yeah, I guarantee you that was either originally written as part of the teleplay. Yeah. Which then it wouldn't be the director or the director through it. Oh yeah, I, that's why I was feeling like he probably was like, okay, and at this point you're gonna have the music cue in, like yeah. yeah. No, the directors have to oversee the yeah. music because otherwise it doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, the editing, <laughs> the music also, but yeah. the editing specifically. But yeah, no. So he's he's good. Um, he's really good. I, yeah, I look forward to see. I, th- I don't think he's done that many. Unfortunately, uh, this is the first time we've seen him so far. Yeah, his name doesn't stand out to me. So I'm thinking hopefully. Uh, if we he see has him more, again, but... I will add him to the Hall of Fame. So many tallies. I can see us in years from now. I mean, it's on now. the same pa- tally page. Yeah, I just love it. Year, year. I can see us, like, literally years from now, just start off at this many, and it's just... No, I've only got three pages so far. <laughs> I can see I'm us not adding making tallies. more. I can just see us adding tallies. All right. Oh. So, <laughs> um, meanwhile, back on, uh, back under the mountain, my, under all the granite. Favorite, my, my favorite scene of this episode happens. Oh God! Yes, just, where the the Wonder Twins set up their largest sample of crystal in the gate room, stand back with Teal and tell him to fire his staff weapon at the crystal. I just realized they're based off copper sulfate crystals. Copper sulfate is extremely flammable. A staff weapon is yeah. like flame energy incarnate. They are so lucky that did not blow the fuck up. Well, I imagine she was studying in the lab long enough; she'd be able to tell yeah. if it was flammable. Hence why they didn't need to shoot it. Yeah. <laughs> well, they did because they wanted to see yeah. the pattern. And, and it's clearly obviously not actually yeah. copper sulfate. Exactly. It's just really funny to No, it's like, funny. Hmm. So basically, yeah. So they have him shoot it. And then, like, right after he shoots it, they, will, they like, run up to, like, look at the patterns and, like, oh, yeah, look, it exactly looks like the patterns on the... Cr-. And while this is happening, like, there's alarms going in the background and, like, you see, like... The administrators and tech people like freaking out, and Tilk just turns to look at them while they're like excitedly talking over the crystal. And goes, "Did you get permission for me to shoot my staff in this room?" And then they both like freeze, like literally, because fr- they're like, like framed. Children. They're framed in the camera together, like looking over this crystal. And she asked that, and they both like freeze and look up. And then, really unconvincingly, Sam goes, "Oh yeah, sure." And then they do. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and then they quickly walk off. Just like, blah, blah. You know, we, we were giving all these, you know, this kudos for, like, all the mature adult moments. While the mature adults were doing their thing, these children were left unsupervised. I know. With guns. <laughs> it's Just so like the first time. Speaking of parallels. saying. I love the B-plot so just, much. The a, B-plot is so funny because Teal'c is the adult here, and he's he's trusting these dumbass children. I just realized, I'm, I, this is such a dark parallel. I, I did just hear aspect. you say that. I was yeah. like, I'm going to talk over it. We're not going to acknowledge that's that you said that. That's a, potentially a dark ass pearl. I was like, once again, the children left unobserved with weapons. 
I was surrounded, by the way, by military people. Okay. And during the whole setting up of this, getting ready, no one at any no. point has a question about what That's is because happening. because they're trusting that it's Sam giant... and Daniel are very smart people who know what they're doing. And then they're like, oh, wait, they're together. Shoot. They did in the gate room, too, didn't they? Yes. First off, there's a giant-ass window right there playing with people. Also, again, I'm going to point this out once again. That gate is, is made of naquita. Yes. You do not want to shoot I don't want a flare near it, and I do not want a staff weapon shooting near it's it. It's so funny. I love this B-plot so much, because they are disaster children. They're so funny. Just, I love how, like, guilty they look as soon as Teal'c asks that. And the wide-eyed, shifting eyes, like, what? No. Yeah, sure, totally. <laughs> totally. And then they I run off. Oh, did you hear that? Yeah, I hear that too, yeah. <laughs> It's uh, so funny. Oh my god. They bring the shattered crystal back to Sam's lab. Meanwhile, Teal was probably getting scolded significantly by soldiers. I imagine the conversations. I imagine the conversations them being like them like being to Teal like, look, you have to be the adult here. Humans were not genetically engineered, so we have a lot of uh, impulse control problems. <laughs> you see them be like, okay, I would have thought you would have would have been aware of this being on their team, but S- Sam and Daniel are not to be trusted when they are scheming together. You have to be the adult. In any other instance, they are the smartest people in the room. When they are together, they are the dumbest people in the room. Oh uh, Tilka's the exchange student, the teenage exchange student that's living with the family. And has, uh, for some reason, is being forced to supervise the younger children while the adults are doing something. But yeah, two very important lessons were learned in this episode. One, Jack will not to touch things. Yeah. Two. It, I, you, it's strange that he didn't learn that after he got the STD, but... Right? <laughs> I guess he figured since this one was crystalline, it was less likely. Sure. Right? Because, you know, he just walked through a wormhole generated by two Nakoda-powered That just makes me think of... a different of... planet on a sulfur mine. That just you makes know. me think of season eight or nine or whatever when Cameron joins the team. And, like, the first planet they all go to, to, go to together, there's, like, that room with, like, all these ancient artifacts. And Cameron starts to reach out and touch something. And Daniel, like, slaps his hand down and, like, do not touch anything. And then two seconds later, picks it up himself. Right. I have, touched, like, I have touched a lot of things at this point. I have learned how to touch. Oh, the camera's like, wait, you just told me I can't. I know what to touch. <laughs> it's so funny. I, I know the warning signs. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Jack learned that lesson, and Teal'c learned not to listen to the children. <laughs> when they're together. Ask first. Not listen to their answer. Ask their question, and then go, okay. I'm just gonna what check. does Hammond gonna, have to I'm say about this? Check with the authority figure. <laughs> I just imagine, it's that whole thing where, what does your mom say? <laughs> right? And they're like, she says, yeah. And then he turns and goes and asks Cameron himself. My dad, whenever he didn't want to deal with it, would be like, what's your mom's dad? And I'd lie to his face. And he would be very aware of me. Like, he, like, he would give me this look of like, all right, fine. <laughs> like, we're all aware that if you get hurt in this, it's on you. Yeah. We're all aware that I just fuck it. <laughs> that would be a great fucking moment. Just that yeah. joke being like, what did, what did Hammond say? Oh, he said it was like a cost ratio. You know, the moment of like, okay, okay, likelihood of death. Not that high. Alright, fine. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Whatever. I wasn't here. <laughs> yeah. I'll give you the staff over this time. <laughs> you want to blow shit up? I'll be over there. Okay, so they take their broken pieces of crystal back and they're studying it in her lab again. And then while Sam's like doing techno babble in the background, Daniel gets bored, obviously, and like leans in to look at the crystal. And while he's leaning in to look at the crystal, a face forms on the crystal. After three or four seconds of build up of all of a sudden suddenly very fast growing yeah. crystal which 
I know crystals grow and so on and so yeah, forth, yeah. but I like how he doesn't get disturbed and until there's a face. <laughs> it's like granted, yeah, the face is disturbing. Yeah. I I get that. Especially because it's emulating his face. That's the thing. That's what's great. It's like, it's not just a face that forms on the crystal. It is a face modeled after his. That's, I think, why he really... I I just like the the complete lack of reaction to the sudden What's interesting is that we don't see his face when it's growing Mm -hmm. until he jumps back. So there's always... I mean, this is Daniel. He's very foolish. There's a, every like chance. There's every chance that when it was growing suddenly, that he just was more interested. Because this is Daniel we're talking about. I see a spontaneous and at the moment. I'm gonna be backing up, not looking yeah, closer. But you're you're not as dumb as Daniel. <laughs> like I love this this man, but he is dumb as rocks sometimes. Actually, no, the rocks in this are very are very intelligent. I know. Yeah, so. they're they're smarter than him. <laughs> yeah. But but when it forms his face, that's where he'd be like, whoa, okay. But yeah, so he he jumps back and Sam's and like, like his little Daniel. sound he makes. Too. Yeah, <laughs> and Sam's just like Daniel. What the hell? He sounds like a moose. <laughs> he would know he was in Canada. Exactly. He sounded like an elk or a moose. Uh, but Sam's just like Daniel. What the hell's wrong with him? He's like there. There's a face on there. <laughs> to which I like how this is the second weird disturbing thing today. So I, I swear to God, look at her face. She looks at him and like kind of wide eyed. Not really that. Just I'm not surprised or scared or disturbed, but like. Are you sure? Are you sure? Like, what? And he's like, you, you look in. You look in. And she's like, fine. And she looks in. What's with the men today, man? What's going on? And she's like, okay, fine. And she looks in. And Sam's face forms on the crystal and says, help us. Or something along those lines. I think it was help us. And she's like, whoa. (laughs) I think they go and fetch someone. Don't they fetch someone to show about the crystal? I don't think Hammond's in there. But they go to tell someone. Do they just go grab Teal again or something? Maybe. I mean, I feel like they, I feel like that's what it was. I remember I was so focused on the other ship that I was just. <laughs> I think they did. They, they did grab him because they knew staff weapons to destroy the crystals and everything. I think they were like hoping there might be some kind of connection. Like maybe yeah. he would have heard a tale of talking crystals or whatever shit. I don't know. But meanwhile, we flashback there's a lot of plot a storyline plot b storyline we do a lot of flashing back and forth meanwhile we go back to the plot a storyline and um not jack and sarah have moved their conversation to a nearby park and once again they're having the mature conversation blah 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 and then oh that's actually that, that's when that blame line yeah happens. yeah that was, that was um upset. and then sure. well because of the fact that we're jumping back and forth i i honestly skipped like two whole parts because like He's in the bedroom talking to her, and then we go back to SGC, and then we go downstairs, and I was like, I'm just gonna group those two together, because... Because fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, We're so... We're not direct here, we don't just... They have out. a conversation for a little while, and then he, like, gets off, they were, like, sitting on top of a picnic bench or whatever, he gets off and starts to walk away, and she's like, what's going on? And then he suddenly collapses and seems to be, like, like energy is arcing all over him, and she freaks out, and she's like, oh shit, I gotta get you to the hospital. I like how this entity was willing to risk its personal safety, health. Well, I mean, we find out why in yeah, a little I just, bit. I just, I like it. The first, like, besides the other Jaffa, obviously, and the gold, the first, oh. like, real alien species, like, real alien species, and they're not dicks. <laughs> Never mind. I know what the scene break was back at SGC. Hmm. An alarm is going off because someone's trying to dial in from off world. Ah, yes. And they're like, wait, no one's due to come back. That's what happens. It's not that they go fetch anyone. Yeah. And who comes through? But Jack! And suddenly there's guns on him all around, and he's like, what the hell is going on? Because he's, like, mad when he comes to him. He's like, why'd you leave me behind? I'd be pissed. So, yeah, back in SGC, Janet confirms, no, this is really Jack. I got Janet's in here for, like, 30 seconds. I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take, I'll take I'll Janet take... being here. 
any amount of Janet I can get. There is a cute scene when uh, they have Jack confined while they're trying to figure out what's going on with him, where he's yelling he's at the security camera. <laughs> it's so funny. It's like he's bifurcated. Part of him's being really mature in a park somewhere, and the other <laughs> half of him is being Jack. <laughs> well, I imagine he's probably got a really bad headache right now. Well, and I then mean, he woke up alone. It's super bad for you to be unconscious. Oh, yeah. That, in general, like being knocked unconscious. Like, you know, TV shows and movies always hmm. like, you know, oh, whack in the head. And they're, you know, they wake up whatever no, indeterminate amount of time later, and they're fine. It's like, nope. no, that's brain damage. Yeah. It's concussion. That's that that footballer disease what yeah. the hell it's called it's just it's yeah I love the fact that he's like having a tantrum he throws his pillow at the at the uh, security camera in his room and you just cut back and you see Sam like smiling at the feed it's like yep from their experience with the crystal already and from going oh no this is Jack Sam has a theory about the fact that um how this happened right. she's like okay well a partial crystal could replicate our face. Mm-hmm. What if a whole crystal can replicate our entire body? And she's like, maybe that happened with Jack, and that one came through. Oh yeah, just this is before or after she talks to the crystal. Um, I think it might be after because she she asks it what it is. No, no, it's before. Okay, cool. Never mind. Because uh, in my notes it says um, cool. yeah, because they haven't had the conversation with it yet. Cool, 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 cool. She theorizes, which is why they go there to have a conversation go, with go, the crystal. I also want to point out that I I, I love this episode. I love the storyline, but it just. It never ceases to amuse me how sci-fi shows all follow a certain kind of pattern of um, episodes. Like, there's always a time loop episode. Oh, yeah. There's al- uh, always a crystal entity episode. True. Next Gen had it. Uh, this had it. Um, SGA had it. Oh, that doesn't really count as one of these, you know, spinoff. But well, crystals are interesting um, organisms, so why oh, wouldn't you? I'm not, I'm not against yeah. it. It just amuses me. No, it's funny. How much yeah. similarity I think it's fun to see, sci-fi like, does that. that and see how they do it. Oh. It's I fun. Like, yeah. yeah. As long as it's not a blatant, you know, like, okay, this is literally the exact same yeah. thing somebody else did. Mm-hmm. Like, as long as you're being original with it, cool. That's, a, that's the best yeah. part about sci-fi. You can have your requisite episodes. Absolutely. But each one does a little bit differently. At the same time, they always <laughs> tend to do this, like, the things they do the same mm-hmm. are always the, the best parts of it. Like, for example, a time loop episode is always a few flashes, few flashes of stupid shit going yeah. on in different loops, because... Fuck it. Yeah, exactly. Bill on my backswing. That's such and a good one. My favorite moment. one from uh, Dark Matter is that the guy feels because he spoke, he speaks uh, fluent French in real life. Yeah, you you tell me that. <laughs> yeah, he calls I it think the ukulele. I think <laughs> you've brought up this scene on it's the podcast. It's funny on the podcast at least three times because she walks in on the Grump and the Android singing French for some fucking reason. While one of them's playing a ukulele, she walks in. Nope, and just <laughs> backs out slowly. That's another trope I love. Is it? Nope. Yeah, <laughs> I just. I like certain requisites. It's good. Uh, but yeah, so they go like, okay, we're going to try and actually communicate with it. Do you like how they skip any bullshit scenes of, is it sentient? Is it alive? Do we well, because like, it did say help us. Right? Like, I just, some some shows have done that thing where, like, how much of that is, you know, intelligence? There's always that grading of its worth, quote unquote. And I've always hated that. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad the show was like, yeah, fuck that. But what I love, this is another one of these moments. Like I was saying, this whole episode, I was going, Daniel's not doing that much in this episode. But Michael Shanks is owning his moments. <laughs> Daniel wasn't doing much. Michael Shanks was doing fuck tons. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because what's great is that as soon as they go back in to talk to this crystal, well, even before then, when they were like, oh, Teal, we want you to do something for us. I was sitting there going, they're going to feel so bad later on when they find out they shot a living organism. I know, right? For no reason. So I was sitting there the whole episode going, they're going to feel so bad. And then when they go in to talk to the crystal, 
when Sam initiates conversation with it, you see Daniel in the background start looking really uncomfortable when it confirms that these things, like, have sentience. Putting the pieces together. Because he's realizing, we shot a living creature. It's like, oh shit. And, like, and he, and what's great is explicitly, the text never actually points out why he looks like this. But you can see obvious. he just looks uncomfortable. And if you, if you, and he even it. to the point to where not accusing, not accusing, I like accusing, not mm-hmm. not, uh, not accusatory, but he does ask the crystal, "Hey, why didn't you reveal yourselves to us until now?" Yeah, I, I love that parallel because, and you can see even in when he's saying that that he's like, "Why didn't you?" We, we wouldn't have shot you. Like, yeah. he's upset. It's not your fault. It's ours. I get that. And, he, but and Michael Shanks does some really great subtle acting. Because, like, the, the first, like, unease in his face, he's, like, a background mm-hmm. shot. And he gets, he gets steadily more distraught looking. Yeah, as the thing is clearly becoming very, very sapient and very, you know, sentient. Never, sen- no, sapient. Sen- yeah. Well, I, I, but I said sen- sentient. <laughs> A deer is sentient. Yeah. Uh, a crystal entity is sapient. Yeah. <laughs> when it's clear that it's a sapient creature that is having a full-on conversation with Sam, you could see him just being really uncomfortable. And uh, when he's like, hey, why didn't why didn't you say anything before now? They po- basically, this is like the one little bit of exposition we get, really. Well, this and then later on with not Jack explaining to Jack why he did what he did. Well, that's less like expositing yeah, well, so much it's as also, it's like motivations. What also... This is him trying to help heal Jack, so right. it's important. Yeah, exactly. But um, basically, they say that, hey, back on our planet, the Gwawuld showed up. I don't remember how they described the Gwawuld, but the, the team figures out the Gwawuld showed up. <coughs> they already knew the Gwawuld showed up because of the, the staff marks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the crystal basically explains, we were on our planet, just, you know, being ourselves. They they described, like, their entire community of crystals as, their like, unity. their unity, their energy and everything. It's a really... I love the way they describe themselves. It's it's cool because it, it wasn't hive mind, <laughs> Borg shit. It no. was literally just, we are one, but also different. Yeah, it's great. I love the it. The only downside in this episode is they don't really have time to explain on yeah. that. And they don't come back to that. No, really Which, unfortunately. As far as flaws go, it's sad, but I'll get over it. Yeah. I, I like to think that they sent SG-9 oh. through afterwards. Hell to, yeah. To, Off camera. Yeah. Off, off screen. Yeah, that's the thing with that's happened. the thing with us following the first contact team. We don't see a lot of follow up. They explain that the Gold came through. One of them accidentally hurt one of the Gold. The same way they accidentally <laughs> it, it hurt wasn't Jack. Like accidentally hurt is that somebody poked it. It was just sitting there doing its own <laughs> money, its own business. Well, and it got poked. Wasn't there? <laughs> I I didn't get all of the dialogue, but wasn't there something about how this is how they tried to communicate with them at first? Was through the energy. Well, and then they realized that yeah, it that it right. hurt them instead. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're because right. this isn't this was a type yeah, of being yeah, they'd never yeah, interacted yeah, with yeah. before. Yeah, I like how carbon-based life is, like, the form in the universe, or at least the scales. But this one planet. This one planet has this crystalline entity, which is great, fine. And there's a gate on there, which means at some point... Yeah. uh, Actually, SGU does does establish that uh, seed ships are a thing. Unmanned ships Mm -hmm. that go out and literally just drop stargates on planets. There you go. So it doesn't necessarily mean anyone ever actually went Mm -hmm. there. But at no Mm -hmm. point has... A carbon-based life yeah, ever comes to this planet. Space is huge. It, yeah. It's plausible. But it's interesting to me that with the abundance of carbon-based life. I think it's fascinating, life, yeah. It's, it's interesting. Also, they did mention, Crystal does actually mention that uh, they had to gather up all the crystals and everything. They seemed like they were kind of sparse. Yeah, yeah. So maybe people did come through and went, this is a yellow planet of nothing. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe they never got close enough to interact. Yeah. But basically, they accidentally hurt one of the gold. The gold react poorly to it. 
gather Shock. up every single crystal on that planet that they can find, put them in a pit together, and fire indiscriminately on them. I like how when you and I, when most people get shocked by something, granted it's a little bit more We're like, not gonna touch that again. Right? Or I sometimes I'll be like, they go slap it, you know, like, hey, I was mean. And then I move on Like when life. you slap the TV when it burned you? I did not slap the TV. The TV's very expensive. <laughs> but it's like, I, I mean, I got shocked bad once. I asked my, I was helping my dad out with an outlet, uh-huh. and I said, hey dad, did you uh, turn off the, uh, the electricity? He goes, yeah, I did. Sure, okay. Because when he pauses, I know better, but I was like, it's fine. And I'd already touched a couple yeah. wires at this point. So I felt like, yeah, I was like, okay, cool. And literally right after that, I got shocked. I believed him and didn't ground myself, and I got shocked badly. And I got knocked to my ass, and I had, like, my hand was like, no. That was a pretty severe shock. I just got up and yelled at my dad. <laughs> yeah, I said, fair. hey, dad, this is your fucking problem now, because I'm going to go downstairs and turn off the electricity with my one good hand. Fair and enough. you're on your own. <laughs> but, like, at no point did I go grab all the outlets <laughs> and smash them all to pieces. <laughs> Well, you have more maturity than the gold. I like how it's definitely established over and over and over and over again that they are that that type of egomaniacal yeah. megalomaniacs. Yeah, you, that point of it's like the trust fund, the ultimate trust fund kid, where it's just I want it now. God. Just this, is, this was me rude. saying megalomaniac again. Now I just really want. Alex Ryder to have met a gold. Nope. He'd try to embarrass them so quick. Oh my god, he'd get shot so fast right, by he'd, one of them. He'd, he'd be dead. <laughs> Alex Ryder's story would have ended in 30 <laughs> seconds. One little bitch gets shocked. By the way, he went up and poked the thing, yeah. but it's, it's that small. Yeah. And that is the most temper tantrum three-year-old oh, yeah. child thing to do. It's a very gold thing to do. Fuck all this shit. The fact they go out of their way to collect yeah. all of them. And there weren't, there weren't a ton of no. them. There was a shit ton of expanse of sand. Yeah. So they had to go looking. That is some... Except for the some, one some who direct... got sent in the direction of the crystal that Jack found, who clearly decided to take a nap. Right? I like that. I love the fact that there is a Jaffa there who's like, fuck this, and went to sleep. I mean, I believe it. And I, what I like about this is they hear the story, and they're like, well, what What did not Jack go do? What did Crystal Jack go do? Like, why didn't he stick around? Why did he come through with us and everything? And I love that Sam actually, like, poses this question. She's like, well... We look a lot like the gold. What would you do if this is the first creature you've ever seen that looks like this before, and you accidentally hurt them, and they destroy all of you? And then another one shows another up. Another one shows up, and you accidentally hurt them again. How do you react? What I love is the acting credits to everybody on the team for this one. When she poses that hypothetical, they all look bothered. Oh, like, they're all like, ooh. <gasps> That's how you know emotional maturity, even for problem child types, is the ability to put yourself in someone else's yeah, shoes. Yeah, the empathizing. Yeah, thank you. It's like, my, my empathy quotient is, is negligent. However, I can fake it. Yes. <laughs> but there's different kinds of empathy, you know? It's the, it's the idea of, like, I might not be compassionate, per se. Uh-huh. Um, like, I'm not a dick, I yeah. don't think. I may not understand how they're feeling, but I can see a perspective differently. Yeah. And so it's nice to see that they're kind of the same way, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, there's there's different kinds of emotional, empathetic maturity, and that, at uh, least that's all there. Yeah, and I like to think that they, like, took that hypothetical from her and started to, like, try and apply that more to each of their future missions, mm-hmm. where they're like, okay, we look like the old. We have to tread carefully when we're coming into these planets so that we don't look like we're just picking up where the old left off. So my favorite elements of uh, Farscape is, uh, you know, John Crichton is human, but somehow, magically, in the opposite ends of the galaxy, there's an alien species that looks identical. There's Underneath, there's mm-hmm. a couple of differences, like they can't tolerate heat, for example. Yeah. But they're called the Sebations, and they're basically... But he's the only human, so everyone sees him and immediately assumes that he's Sebation. And the thing about Sebations is that there's this kind of evil, you know, uh, tyrannical yeah. uh, peacekeeping force called the Peacekeepers, and they're almost... Ex- they're kind of racist, xenophobic and racist. Yeah. It's almost basically equivalent that if you're Sebation you probably are a peacekeeper. Yeah. Uh, there's a link. And so when he's going around, he's 
sometimes uses that to his advantage, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of times where he, like, you can see it fucks with him, that yeah. like, people are scared of him automatically. Yeah. It's a great element that I, I like it. when they do it well here, that moment of, like, oh, shit, we don't look like the things we want yep. to look like. Mm-hmm. During this conversation, Sam figures out, oh, Crystal Jack had a picture of your family, probably. At, what I like that she didn't even ex- go past that, really. She says Crystal Jack was looking at your family. And Jack immediately is like, oh, we're leaving. <laughs> like, Jack is like, he's separated from his wife. Obviously, his son is dead. But Jack's like, this is still my family. And they're possibly in danger. So they're like, they're <laughs> out the door. There's a, there's a walking taser out there. Yeah. Like, he's on the phone, like, as they're leaving the mountain, like, trying to call Sarah and not getting an answer. And as they're leaving the mountain, everyone's, like, geared up. And, like, you see Teal'c with his staff weapon, and Hammond's like, Teal'c, you can't take that out of the mountain. And Teal'c's like, I have seen your planet. I will need it. <laughs> the only kind of good open carry I can think of. Well, because everyone would just think it's a freaking cosplay piece. I told you about that asshole that one time I was at uh, IHOP with my family and this motherfucker with this gigantic handgun on his hip all open carried. And it wasn't like it was an off-duty cop. You, you, mean, you might have been off You might have been one of those, those asshole fucking yeah. cops. You know, like, look at my big gun. And he was just, you could just, the overcompensation was seeping from him. He was standing next to my booth and it was, it was uncomfortable. I had yeah. a, I had a gun four inches from my mm-hmm. face. I was unhappy with the yeah. situation. But staff weapon? Mm-hmm. It's like the only kind of good open carry I can think of is Teal'c with a staff weapon. You know what, honey? You're right. You do need that. Yeah. I love the fact that this is early enough in the show that they haven't thought to start covering his forehead thing yet. I didn't even think about that. They didn't have a hat or anything. No. I do love his collection of beanies, though. Yes, I love his beanies later. His beanies later are so good. Or the fucking cowboy hat that one time. I, I will never get over Star Trek The Voyage Home. The whale one. <laughs> yes, I love the whale one. Because hats exist. And Spock takes a <laughs> tie, puts it around his head to cover the tips of his ears. That's like, so hat. I love Voyage Home. Don't don't talk oh, to me. I, I love, love Voyage Home. I love that movie. I, I, I know there's shit like the back of my hand. And uh, I'm looking for the nuclear whistles. <laughs> oh, God. The Russian during the Cold War. <laughs> I'm looking for the nuclear whistles. It's like, um. <laughs> or, or Spock, I'm making an estimate. <laughs> All proud. I love Voyage Home. Oh, I love that. It's it's a weirdly great movie. <gasps> but so cool. yeah, I just I just distinctly love uh the the, the tie yes. across the years. Like, ha. That's, that's a great, great movie. movie. You know why it's so great? Shatner was at his least Shatner. Yeah, in that movie. that's true. He was actually pretty personable in that one. But yeah, hats they exist. Tilk does not know about them yet. It's okay. That thing probably peels right off. <laughs> it's always sticking God. up the edges. Ten years, they never mastered that. Technically longer, because he shows up in SGA. So, yes. you know, ten years and an episode. Uh, So, back in the hospital, uh, Not Jack is telling Sarah he has to get to the Stargate. Like, asks her. Uh, But Sarah doesn't know what's going on. She's, like, trying to, like, help him out or whatever. And he, like, flings himself off the bed and has a wild electromagnetic reaction. Like, the one at the park was pretty bad, but this one's, like, he's gonna- surrounded by electronics. Yeah, he's gonna (laughs) blow up the friggin' hospital, like, to the point where they start evacuating the entire hospital. I'm gonna point out, it was less of an EMP-type thing and more of an electro- uh, sorry, um, more of a overload. Yeah, yeah. Which, absolutely. not really the same Well, I did not say in EMP, I said reaction. Oh, no, I know, I was saying, in the show they mentioned it, yeah, EM a lot. Yeah. And it's, like, less- to do with that and yeah. overloading. I'll take it because it's dramatic. Mm-hmm. And Plus, they're not exactly not known for uh, tasing shit. So maybe yeah. that's what it is. So they're evacuating the hospital. Meanwhile, Jack's team arrives and starts to storm the hospital. And the Sarah is like outside of the room where not Jack is getting her hands bandaged because she tried to like help Jack right. and got shocked. Burned. Yeah. 
And she sees Jack storming down this hallway and she's like, what the fuck? But I love that Jack doesn't even like pause. He like just goes up to her and hugs her like yeah. happy that she's like, safe. Thank God you're alive. And mm-hmm. I love the fact that Wally's talking to her like basically like, hey, we're going to get you out of here, get you to safety. The- my team's going to take care of you, blah, blah, blah. I need to go in there and deal with this. Like as he's talking to her, he's like casually cupping her face. Yeah. Like you can you can see tender, the intimacy care. there. It's tender, is loving, it's mm-hmm. caring. Yeah, like, you can tell that, yeah, they're separated, but they still both care about each other. And it's natural, like, that, because he's, like, not trying, like, you know, you, you cut someone's face if you're, like, trying to kiss them, or blah, blah, blah. He's just talking to cut her. cut their face for a second, I'm like, what kind of kissing have you been doing? None. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> but, like, he's just talking to her, and he's, like, just, you know, the, in, in casual, intimate touching. It's, she is the sole focus of his world. Absolutely. Moment, and it's wonderful. Yeah, like, there's a freaking electromagnetic bomb in that room, and he's- He's taking the time he's to make getting sure- her calm, he's like, you're gonna go over with my team, you're gonna be safe, and I love that Daniel and Sam just grab her and take her off, walk right. her off. Usher her out. Yeah. It's the cute. <laughs> I just love the Wonder Twins are just gonna take care of her. No worries, Daddy, we got it. It's good, I love it. We don't really see them again for this episode, but I, I, I trust them with her. Yeah, because Teal did not get to bring the staff weapons, so they can't Poor shoot Teal. anything right now. I do like the idea that while they're, like, trying to comfort her at some point, they just, like, get on a tangent and start techno-babbling again, and she's just, like, standing, like, watching the two of them, like... <laughs> My head came actually more of, like, an awkward silence where she's like, so th- what the hell was that? What the hell's happening? Also, it mentions a Stargate, but I had to keep playing 20 questions, to which Teal goes, you did not ask 20 questions. You asked 7. That's why she has to keep playing. <laughs> she has 13 more questions. I, just, I can see that kind of Yeah. Thing. But um, yeah, it's less of a Wonder Twin uh, techno-babble and more of just... <laughs> babbling over each other trying to come up with an actual coherent response yeah you know how Sandra's that, that awkward pause thing sometimes where she like twists her lips a little yeah like, i can see her doing that while uh daniel does his stumbling thing until well you until see offering... the thing is uh well you know how there's these cultures and until just hand over his forehead <laughs> he's been doing this the whole time that's that's their solution. Like they got out of the the van or whatever that took them there, and then Jack looked over and went, "God damn it, Tilk! I need you to keep your hand over your forehead this entire time." But Tilk's like, "All right, Tony." Did you say, "Oh, t- all right, Tony." All right, O'Neill. Oh, okay. I was like, "Tony." <laughs> On Earth. Yes, thank you for helping, Tilk. Thank you. <laughs> On Earth. <laughs> I am from Earth. <laughs> I am from Earth. <laughs> I am from. I was Stanford. I was. Pranked. <laughs> there is super glue <laughs> on my hand, and it's from Earth. <laughs> okay, so it's ridiculous, but also kind of I, I can see it. <laughs> Meanwhile, the adults are having a conversation. Real Jack goes in to talk to Crystal Jack, and this is where you get Jack's healing, where um, Crystal Jack explains that like I accidentally hurt you. I was trying to heal you, but I couldn't fix you all the way. And when I got back, I realized that I couldn't fix you because most of your pain was emotional. So he went on this whole journey, talking to Sarah, trying to find Charlie, all that stuff. And to try learn the meaning of life. <laughs> to try and heal Jack's emotional hurt. And then, like, while he's explaining all this to Jack, at some point, Jack's like, okay, well, we have to go. Um, and I love that as 
Uh, and they're having like like conversation about you know where's Charlie blah 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 and he's like oh Charlie's right here and like and it, it's the I made a joke too as soon as it was happening because he was reaching out to like point at I Jack's was, heart I was experiencing something there and all of a sudden and I said E T phone home and like and oh my god but then what I love about the directing here is that like you see him and it looks like it's gonna be that whole E T phone home like I'm right here thing I'll but be like. Right. As the camera pans from focusing on Crystal Jack to following the hand to pointing at Jack. Which was a good shot. Yeah. It turns into Charlie. Uh Suddenly it's Charlie pointing at Jack's chest. I love blended shots. It's good. Blended cuts where you can't tell the cuts happening. That's that's a good blend. It was a really good blend. That or it was um, practical effects. They could have just actually, like, you know, Mm -hmm. your general uh, Mm -hmm. perspective magic where the hand just, the camera twists. Either way, it was really good. I thought it was a really good shot. Either way, it was well done. Yeah, absolutely. Like, we're gonna have to keep an eye on this, uh, director. Mm-hmm. See if anything else comes of it. So, he reaches out and takes Crystal Charlie's hand, which is such a, like, heartwarming moment to just see him, because, like, you can see that's where he's getting his catharsis in his final moments. Like, he was already healing a little bit. He got that start with Scotta. He got it a little bit with Daniel as well. But you can see, like, that moment he takes Crystal Charlie's hand, that's where he's, like, closing the book yeah, on the, that the healing. Is, yeah. the and what I appreciate is, like, this whole episode's been about getting Sarah started on that healing, and they finish that by having him walk Crystal Charlie out, and Crystal Charlie also says goodbye to Sarah. Oh, God, that scene fucking wrecked oh, me. Yeah. I forgot it. I, I knew she saw the kid. I, uh-huh. I remember that. But I just... I don't think I was... I, okay, that was a voice crack. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think... The most recent time I watched that particular episode... I've I, I watched it a lot, but I don't think I was emotionally... Mature enough? Not, like, mature enough. I, I didn't understand the full nuance yeah. of it yet. You know, I didn't have all the... Uh, whatever, whatever. Um, that gives you that ability to perceive mm-hmm. all of the stuff. <laughs> and so... It definitely did not wreck me nearly as much. No. As a kid. Because this one... This time, it was just... I just sat there going, Oh my god, her face. Yeah. <laughs> That's... Oh, dear God. And I remember saying, like, wow, this woman's having a day. She did not yeah. wake up this morning thinking she was going to see her dead son. All no. Right. No, no, no. No, she didn't. That means that she handled herself. Oh, yeah. Stellar. She did a stellar job handling herself. I have so much respect for both Sarah as a character and the actress who's mm-hmm. playing Sarah. Mm-hmm. No, she's a, that was, she's a great actor. Mm-hmm. I need to look her up sometime. She looked kind of familiar. I feel like I've seen her in Yeah, something. I think I've seen her before, too. Honestly, I've not seen her enough. I feel like she deserves, uh, mm-hmm. and if she doesn't, if she hasn't done a ton of stuff, I hope that was because of her choice and not because she didn't get, like, the break or whatever, because mm-hmm. she was good. Yeah, absolutely. But what I also like is that, like, um, Crystal Charlie says goodbye to Sarah, and then, like, you just see Jack walk off with Crystal Charlie, and the next thing you see, they're in SGC, he's still holding Crystal oh, Charlie's God. hand, they've dialed through the gate to the Crystal's home planet, and he just walks through the gate with Crystal Charlie to bring him back home. And that's the end of the episode. I'm so glad it ended like that. Yeah. I, I did not need to see that scene where he has to leave. No. No, God. Like, closure or not, that cannot be pleasant. Yeah, you know he cried. That's why he went on, that's why he went through alone. Oh, yeah, he did So that else. he could have that privacy to cry. Yeah, no shock. I'm, I'm choking up thinking about mm-hmm. how to let go of that kid's hand. Yeah. Okay, nope, I don't need to cry right now. See, was not emotionally prepared for this as a kid. Like, just, no. But it's a good me. episode. It's just a good episode, man. Oh, yeah, man. They, okay. they they paid the emotional beats the attention and seriousness they deserved. Hell yeah. It was, this was a, like, a, like we a said finely before, crafted they episode. didn't have to do this episode. It did nothing for the main plot of the story. However, it did <clears throat> tons for the, the, character, the character. The guy who was based, the movie was based on, 
Like, this is this was a huge plot element of the that movie. was given the uh, ending it deserved. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that that they were like, okay, this is a loose end. Mm-hmm. Let's wrap it up. And it's better to wrap it up in like a first season, absolutely, because you don't need to have before you forget about it. Well, not just that, but like it'd be really weird if it was just out of left field in season like three or four. Yeah. All of a sudden, it's like, wow, you've been holding off on this pain really well for a while. Yeah, jeez, oh, <laughs> it would have underscored any actual mm-hmm. emotional tension. So yeah, they they did that correctly. Mm-hmm. So um. That's it for that. Uh, death tallies. Nobody died except for unnamed gold. I just, I just always like to no point out the shit about right. them. No, actually, no one died. That was quite nice. Um, Jack and Daniel. Which one? Oh wait, uh, writer success. I would say yes. Oh hell, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like we've established that. Yeah, and uh, Jack and Daniel moments. I feel like I'm uh, Jack in this one, not for like all the emotional, you know, uh-huh. whatever, whatever. I mean, I, I, I couldn't or anything. Mostly just because that temper tantrum scene in the uh, holding room. Yes, that's I, very I, I've you. I've literally done that shit. I hate being predictable, but I do think I'm a Daniel again. Shock. Partly because of him just wandering into the women's locker room when it's when it's not. Oh, that's very you. Yeah, that. Um, also, the fact that I thought about the fact that they were going to get upset about shooting oh, yeah. a cr- sapient crystal before it showed up in the scene. I was focused on how unnecessary it was, not the what it meant. <laughs> Which is more of a Jack thing. Oh yeah. Him being like really. <laughs> Two sides, one point. Yeah, whereas I was going, oh man, they're going to feel so bad when they realize that they shot something sapient. And then Michael Shanks also realized that and decided to do the acting choice. So I was like, ooh. <laughs> yep. Also, I just love the Wonder Twin B plot in the background. Also the whole, where where I'm like, I really want to talk about something and someone says something to me and I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. This thing, <laughs> the whole, so source. Now. <laughs> yeah, that sums you up pretty well. Yeah. Not, not, not in a rude, nasty yeah. way, just in a... You're enthusiastic about whatever yeah. it is that you came to talk so, about. So, once again, Daniel and Jack. <laughs> We're very predictable on that point. Thankfully, there's no uh, parental-child relationship aspect. Oh, thank God. That'd be weird considering you're, you're younger older, than yeah. me. <laughs> That's just... Alright, so, Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix. Yep. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. 100%. Aside from those matte paintings. Thumbs up, except for the uh, obviously not granite crystals. Granite, if it cools slowly enough, mm-hmm. can form bigger crystals. But definitely nothing along that side. Yeah. That's it for this episode. Uh, next week, we're going to do episode 8, Thor's Hammer. Ooh, yay! Hey, well, I actually know what I actually know what this one is, based on the title. I don't know why you're saying yay, it's another powers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I forgot. I forgot that you already told me that. Yeah. Which makes sense once you remember uh, the the way that the woman who oh had, nope, who'd nope, been through nope, the, yeah nope shit forgot once you remember her how she's written I always think at the end of the episode the end of the episode is quite good right that's always what I focus on maybe because I repress the rest of it the stuff in the cave is good it's a filler episode but the get it well no it's an important episode yeah but the storyline's filler oh yeah absolutely but I do love the resolve that happens at the end yeah. there's like some really important things that happen in this episode. It's just, well, we'll get to it. But yeah, that's next week. For now, if you want to get a hold of us, you can find me on Twitter at It's Mel, not Liss, and Liss at It's Liss, not Mel, or our podcast Twitter at Point of Origin PC. You can also email us at pointoforigincast at gmail.com or write something on the side of a tissue box and toss it through the nearest wormhole. You can find links to things we talked about during the show in the show notes. Mm-hmm. This time I have more than just like two links. I'm actually going <laughs> to contribute like four. I'm very excited. I'm going to have to find the thing about the tree. 
But yeah, you can find all of that in our show notes. And if you like the show, don't forget to subscribe no. and leave a review. Boat philosophy, sorry, not tree. <laughs> I was like, well, I, I said it was like tree. Oh. <laughs> As always, thank you for joining us on our incursion through the iris. And until next time. Found it. Bye-bye. Found it. Bye-bye.